episode 105, it's a mad, 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 mad world from 1963. I'm Joey Lewandowski. I'm Joe Two. And this episode is brought to you by Volkswagen. They've got you covered. At Volkswagen, they believe in being confident in your Volkswagen is everything. And right now, that means having coverage you can count on. Now standard on most of their 2020 and 2021 vehicles, their suite of products and services committed to you that Volkswagen is the smart choice. Shout out Volkswagen. Shout out Volkswagen indeed. Well, we are talking about a very long movie that features a Volkswagen in it. Yes. After the break, we'll be joined by our very own mad, 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 mad Mike Manzi. Yes, that's true. Stopping by to talk about It's a Mad, 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 Mad World, Joe. But first up, extracurricular activities. What have you done? I actually do want to clarify, or I do want to point out to the listeners, our dear sweet listeners, that we're recording this a night early because you're going out to Pittsburgh this weekend. Yes. So emails are a little bit lighter today. I mean, there are still emails. We might have more next time, but just there's not been a lot that has happened since we recorded on Sunday. But what have you been up to these last two days? Anything of note? No, nothing. Watching more Superstore because it's brain mush doing work stuff to get ready to head back to Pittsburgh this weekend to help my parents for 4th of July, so. I, what did I do? Oh, so I watched, uh, Jenny Slate has a stand-up special that came out last year called Stage Fright, which Oh, nice, I, I love Jenny Slate. Love Jenny Slate. Yeah. This is one of my favorite things that I've seen all year. She's just delightful. It's, like, sweet, and it's sad, and it's funny, and it's just amazing. I love Jenny Slate. So if you love Jenny Slate and you have not seen Stage Fright, it's on Netflix, which makes it very easy to see, but I really do truly adore this special. I think it's wonderful. I think Jenny Slate is wonderful. I also do want to call her out, give her props for recently. Uh, she stepped down from Big Mouth. Did you hear about this? No, what happened? So she was voicing a black character on Big Mouth, okay. whose mom was a white Jewish woman, mm-hmm. and she thought that since she was half Jewish and she thought that she could bring a character, but, you know, she realized that she should not be voicing this character, and so this past week she stepped down. She said, I can't do it anymore. You know, I love the character. I love the show, but I don't feel right voicing this character. So she stepped down. Kristen Bell stepped down from a voice on the new show Central Park, which is mm-hmm. the show that the Bob's Burgers guy created. It's a musical, I think, on Apple TV+. Plus. You know, minor things, small things, but again, as we always say, representation matters, and I think it was a very good thing of Jenny Slate to do. It's cool. Um, yeah. So good on her. And also, just again, this special is wonderful. Oh, the other thing that we did was um, my buddy Zach came over to hang out a little bit last night, and we watched a whole bunch of the show on Netflix called The Floor is Lava. Oh, I've heard about this. Is it good? Is it fun? I mean, I assume just based on everything I've I've seen and I've read and I've heard that it's brain mush, but is it worth checking out? Uh, it's fun. It's just like background noise. And it's, you know, it's exactly what it is, like, the game that you play as kids called The Floor is Lava, like, you can't fall into the thing, except they made it, like, actual water, and, like, if you fall in, you, like, you just try to get people to the other side, right? And it's a team of three. It was a fun thing to watch for a couple hours while we were hanging out drinking beers. Because everything I've seen, like, all the headlines I've seen is, like, this is exactly what our summer needed. It's like, this is going to save the summer. I'm like, no. Eh. No, I don't think it's that, <laughs> but it's it's like, it's a good, stupid reality TV show. Is it kids or is it adults doing it? It's adults. It? It's adults. There's like, you know, teams and it's usually like a team of brothers or like a team of coworkers. Or... So it's like an escape room, but for lava. That's the thing. Kind okay. Of. Yes. That's okay. the coolest part about it is that it has like some escape room elements to it. Mainly it's like a physical challenge without them like 
purposely fucking with them. It's not like MXC or something like the show that like they like make everything like a trap door or something, right? Like the stuff is like difficult to do physically, but it's not impossible and they don't like try to make it so that they get like wrecked on purpose. Like the people like hurt themselves. So it's not like Ninja Warrior. It's like, that's why I said if, MXC if you're, Ninja if you're Warrior. Up, yeah. So we were like watching that and then also on like a very similar note like you know, I watched through, like, what? We watched through, like, six or seven episodes of that, like, as we were sitting there, because they're, like, 12. Are they half an hour, or are they an hour? How long are they? I think they're half an hour. They're not I mean, hour. either way, I'm probably not going to watch yeah. it, just because, you know, I'm just, like, I just wonder. I don't know. Like, I know what I've seen in they're the headlines, and that's it. So I'm glad that this actually happened, so I could know, I could keep up with the, uh, what the kids are talking about. Yes. The other, sh- like, then we switched, because we were like, oh, this reminds us of this other show, which is Holy Moly, and we watched a couple episodes of that, too. Is that different than Hole in the Wall? Holy Moly is the Steph Curry. Oh, mini golf? The mini golf one. Okay, because there was the hole in the wall where, like, you had to fit your body into the shape of the wall. Oh, that? yes, I do remember that. Yes, yes, yes. That I didn't they then that made a game. One. They made a video game out of it for the original, for the Xbox 360, for the Kinect, and the camera, like, it was so broken, like, unplayably broken. Uh, like, those early Kinect games were, like, real bad. Holy Moly is cool because it's mini golf tournament, but it actually is more like Ninja Warrior, MXC, like, they, like, do fuck with them. Like, it's usually, like, you take the shot, and, like, you have to, like, run through some kind of, like, obstacle course, and they, like, try to, like, knock them into water, essentially. Gotcha. Okay. And, like, that's cool because, like, they'll have, like, golfers, and then, like younger adults there's like athletic young adults and then like professional golfers and like it kind of balances out rob riggles like one of the hosts on that so like he has he does commentary so it's like you know it's as funny as you'd expect so the commentary is like one of the best parts of it but yeah that's what i spent the past couple days doing is watching these like good summertime game show contest kind of things so yeah yeah i one other update it's not even really an update but i was supposed to go to a concert like two weekends ago i think it was on father's day no not on not on father's day it was on father's day weekend it was the saturday of father's day weekend i was going to see primus play all of rush's album of farewell to kings and it was going to be down at the uh asbury park at the stone pony the outdoor stage it was going to be cool there was a who's opening it was maybe the sword like it was a cool opening band too and like tickets were like 50 bucks plus fees it was reasonable and we had Mm -hmm. a couple friends going and then obviously everything happened and everything got put on hold and so i was like i want my 66 dollars back like i want like i would like to go to the show but who knows when this is going to happen and i got an email like in march and like an update a couple months ago like hey you were still trying to figure it out whatever yeah all these things my friend just said this today she she was posting that like she has all these bieber tickets and they like won't refund her right now because they're like it's not canceled it's postponed yes so today i got an email saying good news your show was rescheduled to july 9th 2021 and i was like whoa okay no yeah and, I looked, and it's like a, it's a friday instead of a saturday and i was just like oh this that's all even, sucks yeah i want i want to go to the show but i don't want to wait another year i clicked in the email like all angry like oh blah 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 ticket master and there's in the email like a huge button that's just like click to request a refund and so i click on it and I log into the account, and it just says, uh, I agree to the terms, which I don't know what the terms are, but I mean, if they're <laughs> going to give me the money back. They're giving the, the fees back, too, but you can request a refund, and it's going to happen within 30 days. And I know that, like, in a year, I will, like... Decide if, then, if, closer. If the show still happens, I'll, I'll, go, I'll buy another ticket or whatever, because, like, it doesn't... Like, it's all GA. It's outdoor seating, so, like, yeah. it doesn't matter. But I don't want Ticketmaster to hold my almost $70 for... I mean, they've already had it since, like... 
February. I don't want you to have it for another year. No offense, but Primus isn't really going to, like, sell out. I think they would. I think they did last year. I mean, year. like, not, like, enough that... Like, yeah, no, if I, if I, if I need to buy aftermarket, it's not going to be, like, triple the price. Exactly, that's what I'm saying. And, like, you don't need a ticket a year in advance for it. You know what I mean? Like, you can wait till it gets closer and decide right. if you want to go. The only other thing, and this could go in on the streets, but it's probably not, it doesn't make sense in either one of these things, is that in this episode, in It's a Mad, 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 Mad World, which came out almost 60 years ago. Yes. We talked about how there's only three living cast members from the movie left. All the main yeah. cast has passed away. Only three people left. One of them, Carl Reiner. And literally... Today. In the two days, or in like the 36 hours between the time we recorded and the time I woke up this morning, Carl Reiner had passed away. 98 years old, hell of a life, great comedian, great dude. Yeah. I think we got to take the blame. Like, my favorite podcast, I mentioned it a lot, Never Not Funny, they joke about how they have the curse. Like, they don't, whenever they bring up somebody, like, obscure, like, I wonder if this person's still alive, or I wonder what they're up to. Like, so many times, like, multiple times per year, that person dies within, like, a couple weeks. Ugh. Like, it's this weird thing. I, I think we got to take the blame on this one. I don't, I mean, like, Carl Reiner, a lot of people are probably talking about him, but we're like, wow, look at him, still alive, holding it down, you know, representing this movie, and then it's a weird weird timing it is really strange we've done all these classic car movies like it just so happens that we we talk about it like two days ago and then this happens and i saw like a bunch of people post about it today i was like shit we were really close so yes i i acknowledge that we were a little cursed on this one we have a patreon page here on the show too fast to forever.com shout out to cassie wilson jake freer ben milliman nick Burris, Alex Elnanen, Justin Kleinman, Brian Rodriguez of a High School Slumber Party, Haley Gerbys, Wes Hampton, Christian Larson, and Jerry Robinson for supporting us over there. Thank you all so, so very much. Mm-hmm. We're going to announce at the beginning-ish of Lap 7, so in about a month, in the next month, we're going to announce on Patreon our three themed laps for next year Ooh. that start in December and basically run through the next December. So if you are at the $10 a month tier, you could pick one thing for each lap. So if you're not a Patreon member yet, you can even just sign up for a dollar and get access to the Fast and Furious Minute document, Fast and Furious uh, quiz that we're building. Everything over there, early access to episodes, plus, of course, our undying love and affection, plus merch. We're doing more merch stuff that yes, we're planning. True. So all at too fast, too forever.com. But thank you all for supporting us over there. Oh, also, by the way... What? reminder vote on the fast and furious hall of fame the too fast Too forever hall of fame i sent an email blast today we got a yep. big we got a couple more since i said to you that we got like six so we got like eight responses today which was Damn. amazing like basically in a couple hours because uh, we have a a smaller but dedicated listenership and they all want to vote and so sure. we had a bunch of people vote which i was very excited about so that a, is awesome. again cageclub.me slash bracket vote 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 on the Fast and Furious Hall of Fame. Thank you so much. Yes, thank you. We also have an email address, family at cageclub.me and Joe. We have three emails today. Okay. Well, there's one email that I'm going to do quickly, and then we opened a can of worms, but like a weird can of worms. Like, not one that I ever thought that we were going to open, but we'll see in a second. Okay. okay? Yeah, I'm curious now. So first up, from Jason Dickinson, subject line, all eight Fast and Furious movies ranked. So now he's previously sent in rankings, I believe. Oh, no, he has. He's never ranked Hobbs and Shaw. Okay, so we can do this. He says, P.S. These are new rankings. So he has, from the top down, number one, Too Fast. You still have Mm -hmm. the same thing. Number two, Fast Five. That is up two spots from four to two. Okay. Number three, Furious Seven, which fell one. Number four, The Fast and Furious Tokyo Drift, which went up two. Cool. Number five, Fast and Furious Six, which is still the same place. Number six, The Original, The OG, which tumbled three from three all the way down to six. Number seven, Fate, and number eight, 
Fast and Furious number four, both of those in the same spot. Okay, nice. Fast Five and Tokyo Drift both getting an upswing Cruising in the up, first yeah. one. The I first like one taking a tumble down. But cool, thank you, Jason, for sending that in. Thank if you, you want to, if you have not yet sent in your rankings, email family at Cage Club. I mean, if you want to update them, whatever you want to do, you know how to get in touch with us. True. Next email from Jerry Robinson, subject line, Sizzler. What up, Jerry? I hope he's going to talk about Sizzler. I, I dropped Sizzler because I know we have some fans in California, and that's like the equivalency of Ponderosa and... Well, there's also Sizzler in Florida, too. Was it like Bourdain or like one of the like vice cooking shows somebody took someone i think somebody took bourdain to sizzler as like a, this is something that we did as kids and like brought him there it was either bourdain or like somebody like on a vice show that is very bourdain ish we will have to see i don't know this whole email i just Good. read part of it and i saw okay but here we go okay hey fellas hope all is well especially on your end joe too i'm thank happy you, your brother. father's doing well and sorry for the loss of the dog so thank you brother we appreciate it He's doing good. I'm, that's why I'm heading back there tomorrow, so I'll see him soon, too. He says, Ileana, his girlfriend, Ileana mm-hmm. is very adamant about Friends. Like, that's one of her favorite <laughs> shows of all time and has watched it repeatedly. Even I watched a few episodes with her, which I liked, but wouldn't get deep into it like she did. We did do a Warner Brothers tour earlier this year, and we did get to have coffee there based oh, off the cool. cafe from the show. He sends a picture of him and Ileana at the Central Perk pop-up shop. That's cool. So you know the um, picture of the coffee cup that's in the diner? You know what I mean? The iconic picture of the coffee cup? No. It's kind of like pop art kind of feel to it. Oh, like, yes. the Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. That is done by an artist named, I think his name is Burton Morris. Burton Morris is from Pittsburgh, and my parents have met him a bunch of times, and he's actually done, like, cool pittsburgh sports themed ones like in the same stylings so i have like an autographed burton morris like penguins picture hanging in my house right here that's like right next to my head right now so how cool was that right i do like that there's certain places like pittsburgh is one of them i think alaska like kate hudson like whenever you talk to someone who's from that place they're like oh let me explain everyone who's ever been from my city yes yeah Kate's, kate's always like oh that person's from alaska it's like Nobody asked, but cool. Got it. Thank well, you. Well, Pittsburgh is the more specific, thing. and we had and we had you know Keith Haring, and we had Andy Warhol. But like Burton Morris is cool, and the picture that's in Friends is cool, and like my parents meeting him and like knowing this guy now is like also really really cool to me. So Pittsburgh's more specific, but the actually the population's not wildly different from Alaska. Pittsburgh has three hundred thousand people. Alaska seven hundred thirty thousand. So it's more. But it's not, yeah. like, wildly different for a whole state as opposed to just a city. Yeah, but, like, you have, like, all this land, right? Like, it's huge. Yeah, but, I mean, I think most of it is probably uninhabitable, right? On the note of Friends, though, Rachel was a huge fan of Friends, too. She has, like, all the DVD box sets, and she would tell me how much she enjoyed Friends. And then, like, I slowly started to get her to watch Seinfeld because she had never seen it. And now she's, like, firmly, like, yeah, Friends is okay, but Seinfeld's way funnier. I don't know if your girlfriend has watched Seinfeld. I think it's hard to convert a Friends diehard into a Seinfeld diehard. I don't I think know, that the Friends man. diehards, they do die hard. They do die hard, though. That's true. Okay, fair. The moment you brought up Sizzler, it brought me back to times where my three friends and I would go there, each order the unlimited salad bar and mm-hmm. tons and tons of cheesy bread. We haven't eaten there recently because of the pandemic. He says a, rec- a wrestling podcast I listen to calls it the Global Bastard, which I like. <laughs> That's cool. I like that. Says now I'm hungry from typing. Gonna grab some food. Stay fast. Stay safe. And don't be last. Don't be last. Thank you, Jerry. I'm glad I made you think of Sizzler. Yeah. Last email from Alex Ellenin. Subject line: Rock the vote replacements. Which 
I don't know if people have noticed. I've stopped doing. Like I check it every time. I just don't mention it. If yeah, no that's news, that was the whole. It. That was the conclusion we came to. Is that like yes. you check it, but like we only report it. And instead of being like, "Hey, we are looking. There's nothing. We just skip it if unless there is yep. something." I think it was Alex's idea. So he's got more. He's got more ideas for how to replace that. So cool. he says, and again, this is the wor- the can of worms that I mentioned earlier. Just watch an episode of Friends and provide a ten word <laughs> review of the episode, or just. <laughs> Any fast connections? Just a yes or no. No elaboration. I want it to be known I hate this idea, but I'm stuck on the Friends thing for some reason. God, how did we become a Friends podcast in two That's what emails? I'm saying. I don't know. I'm not a fan. Like, it's not that funny to me. I'm really not. I know that there's people that love it. It just doesn't scratch that right itch for me. Like, Friends was like, I've seen, and I've seen it all. This was the thing that, like, people were like, oh, like, you just haven't seen the good ones. And I'm like, no, I've seen them. They're just not that funny to me, so... uh, Yeah, sorry. Then he says you could also do a mission per episode of Crossroads, the video game, once it comes out, instead of devoting an entire episode to the game, just some thoughts. Which is actually a good idea. I've not not thought about how to do that yet. That is a bridge we will cross when we get to it. Whenever that is. When is that supposed to happen? Did they push it back? They redated it, though. It's coming out Aug 7. Okay, so a couple couple weeks, actually, now that we're in... Six weeks, five, six weeks, Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm not going to spoil it now. We'll talk about it next episode, but we're going to do something similar-ish to what you're suggesting in a way. So just stay tuned to that for the lap six tune-up relap recap. Uh, we've got some uh, something planned for you similar-ish to what you're saying, not friends and not video game related, but stay tuned. Oh, that's right. Okay, I think I know what Joey's talking about. Like one of the first times ever. Your hints, maybe. Are, maybe. hints are maybe something that I'm... That we'll, we'll find out. Or you're not. Either either you are or you're not. <laughs> exactly. There you go. Very binary. Well, that's all the emails for today. Family at cageclub.me. Thank you all for writing in. If you want to write in, send in your rankings. Just say hi. I guess talk about how this is a Friends podcast. Yeah, I was going to say, tell us, your, tell us your favorite episode of Friends. <laughs> Which one is it? I do it? think that like if there was a Friends podcast on this network, it would absolutely come from Brian because Brian loves yes. Friends. Yes. I Brian agree. loves sitcoms, but Brian specifically loves Friends. So if, if one were to happen. Also, if if you want Friends content, they did two episodes full of foodie films about the Friends Thanksgiving episodes. They did, like, Ooh. I think, five seasons worth in one and five seasons worth in the other. Interesting. So if you want to check out, like, three hours-ish or maybe more of Friends content, go check out the two episodes of foodie films from this past November. And they talked about the Friends Thanksgiving episodes. That makes sense. That's cool. On the streets, Joe, any Fast and Furious news in the last two days that you have seen? No, none. There's a thing here on We Are the Mighty, five perks to a Jocko and The Rock presidential ticket. Who's Jocko? I was about to ask you the exact same question. Jocko Willink. I don't know who that is. He was on, he was on Joe Rogan's podcast as a guest, though. Let's see. Who is, who's Jocko Willink? Oh, he's a retired officer of the Navy who is a former Navy SEAL. He's a podcaster and an author. Okay. Okay. Oh, this is just a bunch of jokes. Here's the five things. The Oval Office will be renamed the Presidential Octagon. Oh. Entire news segments will be dedicated to discerning facial expressions and size from both candidates. <laughs> over half of Congress suddenly retires after realizing the era of corruption is over. <laughs> Obesity is near extinct as fast food chains are pissed, but too afraid to complain. <laughs> and an unofficial swear jar solely funds Space Force annual budget 
when anyone mentions SEAL teams. Oh, that's really funny. Yeah, he's like he has like these like super ripped pictures on he looks like a, a frightening dude. I mean, Can you imagine if those SEAL. two they they <laughs> should they shouldn't even have an election, they should just arm wrestle. That's like probably what, like six hundred pounds of pure muscle? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe five fifty, but yeah. Whew. <laughs> Jeez. No, the rock is like they're both probably two fifty, right? Like they're huge dudes. So I think the rock bulked up a little bit too. I think he got up to two eighty maybe for Oof. For Hobbs and Shaw, Jesus. but it's just, it's 100%, yeah, I don't know. And then, do you know WWE legend Mark Henry? Mark Henry, I know the name, but I can't remember him. He was probably in one of the games, too. Mark Henry. He says, he gives off a presence when he walks in a room. I hope yeah, in the future we get him as a public servant. I can see him being president down the road. Yeah, I definitely know Mark Henry. Yep, yep, yep. I remember Mark Henry. I think he's still, like, in some of the, like, wrestling stuffs. But, hmm. wow, I haven't thought about Mark Henry in a while. Well, now you have. Now I have. That's true. That's all the news. That's Fit to Print for today. Again, sometime soon, I would imagine. Although, I don't know. It feels like nobody is doing anything with good reason. But I feel like there could still be promotion of stuff, right? Like, yeah. as they push Mulan back, as they push Wonder Woman back, they're not putting out new stuff. They're not putting out just everything that's on hold is on hold. It's just like they're, we're, I guess they're worried, rightfully so. I don't know. But yeah. give me another trailer. Give me some posters. Give me something. Exactly. That's what I want. All right, Joe. The final thing to do before we take a break and bring in Mad Mad. Mad, mad, mad Mike Manzi is the Fast and Furious Minute, Minute Ooh. 71, a minute I called, quote, you want ass? Why don't you hit Hollywood Boulevard? How's it going, bro? What's up, man? Welcome to Race Wars. Great. Thanks a lot. you hit Hollywood Boulevard. You want an adrenaline rush? It'll be too large. Right here, right now. What's it gonna be? So in this minute, Brian arrives to Race Wars in a Supra and gets a wristband for admittance or entry. Mm-hmm. Races continue as Race Wars attendees get cars registered and prepared for races, and then Letty is challenged to a race and ups the ante to $2,000. So my question to you first is what is the structure of race wars? What do you mean? Obviously, two cars race against each other. Is there a tournament? Like, how do they get paired up? Is money always on the line? Is money left to the imagination of the racers? Because it feels like they're just going to race for what to whatever end, but then Letty's like, put your money where your mouth is, let's race for $2,000. But it feels like if she didn't say that, money isn't on the line inherently. So, like, how does race wars work? Any thoughts? I know from the drag strip that I would go to with my father. How it works normally is like you can just like line up and you just race whoever. But at the drag strip... For pride. For pride. Yeah, I mean, okay. I'm sure that they're betting each other too behind the scenes, but like it's not, you but know... But just officially, it's just like basically all scrimmages. Officially, it's just all scrimmages. And okay. what you do is to balance it at the drag strip 
is you have to... Did I ever explain this to you? No, I don't think so. Two cars can be vastly different, right? At the drag strip, like, and you just pull up, you're just pulling up next to the next guy. Like, you could have a car that's, like, much, much faster. Like, you could take, like, a Lambo there and try to race, like, a Honda Civic, whatever, right? But what you do is you have to guess your time, pick the time that you think you're going to run... And you have to get as close as you can to it without going under. Huh. So, oh. So, okay. And then... So it's like a weird kind of thing between, like, a handicap in golf and, like, a reverse Price is Right situation. Yes. And whoever is closest to the time that they predict wins. That's how it works. So, so like, even if the car is, wow. like... Even if the car is like a second faster than the other car, the other car can win because he he knows his car so well that he got the closest to the time that he said he was going to. That seems so. You're base. So you're not really racing. I mean, you are, but you're not really racing against someone else. You're kind of racing against yourself in a way. Yes. But it's it's cool. It's a way to handicap it so that like yeah. that like if you race a car and it's a ten second car and another car is a twelve second car, he could still win. And like realistically, you would never like beat him across the finish line, right? But like then it gives it so that like he has to be so in tune with himself and his car that he gets very very close to the time that he predicts. I think with everything you just said, I'm surprised that we haven't heard Michael Jordan doing this because I can just remember like in the Last Dance where he's just like betting security guards, like I bet I can get a quarter closer to the wall. Just feels like. Yeah. This is exactly his kind of shit or just like <laughs> i need like this is just it's it's like a weird kind of twist on gambling and betting and com- competition yeah that's like how how have we not heard stories of michael jordan doing drag racing for this reason specifically yeah but they don't have the time to- like you have to have like a clock at the end right and like you have to submit your times to like the race guys at the beginning and then they just do the subtraction at the end right like they time you I really don't know how race wars would work because some cars would have an unfair advantage. I have to imagine that these are straight heads up races, like street races that like, you know, it's like first one across the finish line wins and it doesn't matter whose car is faster and you don't know. The handicap is kind of that you're blind, like you don't see what the other car's engine is and stuff. Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm All guessing. All I know, Joe, what? is that winning's winning. Winning is winning. Yes, exactly. But this, this is what I'm thinking. And I can't imagine it's like a tournament. I don't think that there's like a trophy or anything. I think that it's set up that it's meant to be head-to-head races, straight up. They know that people are gambling on them between each other, but nobody overtly says it, right? Like the, right. Like okay. the staff isn't in on it, but like it, it would be very common that everybody that pulls up like Letty makes a wager between themselves. Right. I have no background on that other than, Yeah, like, I mean, we don't, have any, we don't have any insight into this either. I was just sort of yeah. wondering how it worked, and I'm glad that you had that insight, because otherwise we'd be like, I don't know either, so. No. <laughs> yes, I do, yeah. So that's what, I was just explaining how, I, I guess I, it's like a real drag strip, right? Like a, like a sanctioned one. They have, like, you know, drag races there, like official ones, so. We also learned, so we know that in real life, Race Wars takes place on an active airport. San Bernardino right? like Airport. Yep. But here, in the world of the movie, it's held on the site of a former military base. That's true, because of all the signs that I got. Yes. But um, also, those signs could have been for the airport, too. They don't seem like they're that far off from, like, airport signs, right? That's true. Air operations area, no trespassing, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, but no trespassing base closed property U.S. government. Like, I feel like that one is more explicitly. But the other two, yeah, it could be one or the other, but... I don't know. I'm used to, like, Connecticut, like, Hartford Airport has, like 
military sections of the airport. So, like, this might have just been, like, the military portion of the San Bernardino mm. airport. You get what I'm saying? I'm sure that's true of a lot of places. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, like, along the coast and stuff, I'm sure that, like, a lot of airports house, you know, military planes for some reason that they could, like, take off from the airport, and there's, like, a section of it that, like, would use the same runways, but for, like, like that part's just, like, on the side, so. Gotcha. Okay. So we have here new characters, new people who have been here. So we're going to later go back through the document next lap once we finish this first movie and see what we missed. There are actually a lot of people on IMDb that I never thought to check, like uh, Johnny Tran's father is credited. Like, he doesn't have a picture yeah. on the I don't know if we're going to be able to learn a lot, but there's going to be a lot more people that we can learn a little bit of backstory from. But there are two new people who have lines, one much more so than the other, that we get in this minute. So we get, I believe, because I don't know who else this would be, and I want to get your take if you can think of anybody else, we get Samoan Guard. Can you think of any other point in this movie where we'd have a Samoan Guard? It has to be this guy that lets him in. Yes. Yeah, so the guy who's working the door it says welcome to race wars yeah he says what's up bro welcome to race wars gives brian his wristband it's played by this guy named peter navy tuyasa sopo who the cool thing is that he played e honda edmonda honda in the street fighter movie oh nice that's cool so that was like in the mid 90s and he also played which i did not know or remember that obviously that movie is based on the video game series but then they made a movie they made a video game based on the movie but it's not like the main street fighter but they had like street fighter the movie and i think like in the cutscenes in that he was obviously e honda too that dude's also been in Batman and Robin. He's been in Speed Racer. He's been in one episode of New Girl. He's been in like seven episodes of The Young and the Restless. He's just like a working actor. Was this his first movie? Was this like his break on scene? Or no, was... no, Street Fighter was 94. Oh, okay. He'd been acting for a while. The other guy, this was much earlier in his career. This one, a little a little bit of a, I'll, I'll quote Caragala Regan, a little bit of a yikes. Uh, just credited as Rasta Racer. Yeah, and Craig Lieberman was referring to him as that in the video we watched last time. We also have Craig, he is the one I think we see in this scene, in this minute, who starts the race, right? Yep, yeah, he's the race, the starting line guy that, like, gives them the go signal, yeah. And you said that he was complaining that he didn't want to do those, like, dumb hand gestures, but Rob Cohen wanted him to. Yes, exactly. So Rasta Racer is played by a guy named David Douglas, who close to our hearts, or at least, you know, my heart, but we did a podcast about it. He was in La La Land oh, as God. radio DJ. Oh, God. He also played a technician in Terminator Salvation. He was in two episodes of Westworld, but Shout not... Shout out Chris Malika. Yeah, not more Chris Malika. Chris Malika was in season one, episode three. This guy was in season one, episode five and ten. And he was also in an episode of Always Sunny, New Girl, and Veep. So he's been in almost a hundred things. Another Damn. working actor. Uh, yeah, I mean, he does... I guess a good job just hitting on Letty and then, you know, getting his ass set up to be smoked by Letty, right? So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's funny, because, like, I imagine that all of these guys are, like, background characters, so, like, you digging a little bit into them and being like, oh, yeah, they've been on all these other shows and stuff. I'm like, holy fuck. Can you imagine, like, how frustrating it would be for you to be, like, on, like, episodes of Westworld and stuff and people are like, oh, dude, you're the guy from Fast and the Furious. And you're like, <laughs> I had, like, one line in, like, the background yeah. of Fast and the Furious you didn't watch, like, the two episodes of, or, like, La La Land? Like, that won a fucking Oscar, dude. Like, what do you... I mean, it was Best Picture winner for about 15 minutes. <laughs> exactly. Not even three minutes, maybe. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. But, like, still, you'd be like, like, I was in, like, an uh, like almost Oscar-winning movie for Best Picture, and you're like, you were in Fast and the Furious? Like, god damn it. <laughs> 
Yeah. The only other thing that I have really of note, and then I want to go to the cars and see if there's anything of note in the cars, so I know you have a bunch of information there, is that I was reminded of my cousin Vinny, where how do I know that's not a bunch of ones with a 20 wrapped around it? Like, these people are just flashing two grand. It's like, two grad, sorry, two grad. Yes. And it's like, it's like how do I know? That might not be real. This is going to be a very, like, honor-based place. Oh, of course, sure. When Johnny Tran's like, go get my fucking car, you know what I mean? Like, this situation, like... Go get your fucking shine box and my car. <laughs> exactly! I think that, like, if you tried to, like, skimp out on your money at Race Wars, like, you'd be pretty bad. Like, I assume that, like, you know, there'd be, like... Well, a... Jesse gets killed for it, so yeah, I guess it's, I guess <laughs> that's you're what fair. I'm I guess that's fair. Yeah, not, like, killed, but I'm assuming, like, if you showed up and you, like, flash a 20 with a bunch of ones around it and, like, Letty beats you and then you try to hand her that, you're just gonna get your ass beat by, like, a crew. Probably also, you know, if, if this really is for the love of the game, essentially, like, you being, like, blacklisted is gonna be worse oh, than any yeah. ass beating, right? Like, if you're just not allowed back in your community? You're gonna get ass beaten, they're gonna steal, like the money's worth of parts from your car, which is, like, your baby, and then you're gonna get blacklisted, you can't come back to Race Wars? Like, fuck. It's the end of the world. Like, that sucks. So hit me with the cars. What you got going on car-wise? So, the two cars that race in this one, before Letty and and quote-unquote Rasta Racer lineup, (laughs) are a Lexus and a Honda Accord. Somebody on the Car Movie Database commented and seems to know about the cars, right? One of my favorite things that I noticed here, the Lexus has a license plate that says Venom V8, right? I thought that was pretty cool. Because, you know, as we've heard that these were guys that brought their own cars, so, like, this is, like, their own car. This is his own vanity plate. But somebody that was on the forum was named Sal's Body Shop. He says, the one on the left is a 94 Honda Accord. He's sure of it. Because the owner's name at the time was Chris, the one on the right is a 95 Lexus SC400, belonging to John, a.k.a. Kong, which is a badass nickname, right? Yeah, yeah. And he said they work on both those vehicles in the past, and the Lexus had a Venom nitrous kit, hence the Venom V8, and it had a Toyota V8 in it. After the movie, Karma Motorsports, which is no longer there, added a sick wide-body kit to the Lexus, and APR sponsored the front air dam and custom wide wing. They purchased the car from the customer and did a couple shows with it and then sold it to a, an acquaintance of theirs and he still has it. Like Craig Lieberman was saying, I don't know who has these cars or if they still exist or something. As of whenever this was posted, this guy says that his friend still has the car, which would be pretty neat to have. So that was my like big takeaway from this, which I thought was a very interesting little tidbit. And then the Nissan, the 240SX, that's Letty's car, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's Letty's car. With soap number 207 on it. Yeah. Any other notes, any other thoughts, any other tidbits that you found in the Fast and Furious Minute? We have a lot of possible questions here. We're not going to do five. We have five written down. You have five written down? Damn, I didn't even look yet. Okay. The funny thing to me was they had, the the only other funny thing that I noticed in this is that they had two bottles of washer fluid hanging from the fence as Brian pulls up. Why do they have washer fluid hanging there? Like, it's like literally hanging from the fence. So like, I was like, that's strange. Maybe you could it's buy there it? for like, if you come in with a soap number on your car already from last time, they just cleaned it off. But why would you hang it to the fence and not set it on the ground? Uh, I I couldn't tell you. Exactly, that's what I'm saying. So it was just like, or like you buy it as you walk in, like, oh man, like, fuck, I needed washer fluid. Can I have that one off the fence? You're like, what? Oh, I do want to say that the the song in this minute, once again, is uh, Race Wars by BT. It has a very, very, very Streets of Rage vibe. And I was talking about a couple episodes ago or whatever that I was playing a lot of Streets of Rage 4. Yes. It's like that kind of beautiful, like, 90s video game sort of music. And like, you know, I 
had it on loop for like probably 12 minutes just like as I was typing stuff up and just you know picking things up and whatever and it just felt like I was playing a stage in Streets of Rage just like that sound in the background like it was just a cool great score again by BT so just want to shout that out I also want to say that we will see Letty race again in Furious 7 in Race Wars and that's when Iggy Azalea calls her ghost girl and she has that (laughs) panic attack That's one one of like Way the to go, worst Ghost lines. Girl. Where you been, Ghost Girl? <laughs> it's what it's one of the worst lines in Fast and Furious. By the way, on Twitter today, can I throw this in there? Because well, I put that in the episode. Like I put the audio in the episode, so people have probably heard it. But you you finally saw the video. I you finally saw, what, saw what, the video. What Garrett was talking about the Garrett was talking about, and he does like I remember everything about my father. And he's so right. Like, I never caught it before. So next time you watch Fast Five, pay attention to Dom's... Well, Joey put it in the episode, but... I mean, I dropped it. I don't think it's as bad as he's saying. But it's bad. It's worse than I remembered. It's it is somewhere weird. in between. It's a weird, it's a weird line in an otherwise, like, very tender, serious scene. Because, <laughs> like, it comes at the end of, like, a sentence or, like, a little paragraph. And, like, <laughs> he's saying everything normally. This I remember everything about my father. It's like, oh, okay. Yeah, like, why did you put all these marbles in your mouth, you weirdo? Like, what the fuck is going on here? That really cracked me up today. Because, like, I was watching it, and I, like, like I said, like, when we were listening, and I was like, I don't really remember this. Garrett posted the video today, and I started watching it, and then I get to, like, and even the first, he's like, my father. And I was like, that's not weird. And then I keep watching the scene, and I'm like, oh, there it is. That one he should have shot again. Because I thought for a second that, like, either he was wrong or that, like, he was overhyping it, or that I had the wrong scene, and then I'm like, oh, no, I get it, I get it. <laughs> yeah, once you get to that one, you're like, yep, that, there it was. I just didn't yep. catch it, how, like, jumbled it is. Also, Garrett tweeted us, he said he had a better, I, a better, actually, very specifically to this minute, which I think maybe what inspired him, he had a better title for his movie. Yes, I did see this. He said, want to know how dumb I am? It just occurred to me now that the full title of my pitch in grand Fast and Furious fashion should be Fast and Furious Presents Sons of the Furious Dash Race Wars. That's great. I love it. Any other thoughts about the minute, or do you want to do the trivia question slash questions? I want to do the trivia question slash questions. I would say, I didn't even read yours yet, that if I had to ask a question, I would ask about the vanity plate of the Lexus. Because it's Venom V8. That's pretty interesting. You see it on screen. You definitely would have read it. That would have been my question. So here are the ones that I have. I have two that I don't like. The two that I don't love is where does Race Wars take place? That's going to be like the military base, or we could even call it the airport. Not thrilled with that, but just throwing that out there. it's kind of vague because it's San Bernardino Airport, but it looks like a military base, but yeah. We could have an answer, but it's not exactly. There's not one specific answer. I get it. Yep. The other one I'm not crazy about just because, again, there's sort of lack of clarity is who signals the start of the races at Race Wars, which, again, he might not do every race. He might just do a few. So, again, Craig Lieberman, right, but, like, not necessarily every race. We don't see every race, so... yeah. That's fair, and we and we asked about Rob Cohen, and we asked about other people too. We, you don't know it unless you know it, kind of situation. Right. I get it. I, I did like it though. That's not terrible, but yeah, we have so other options. Three, I just I just don't have a wording where I would feel comfortable. Like this is the right answer, and these are wrong answers because like it's not always Craig Lieberman necessarily. So I don't know. Yes. So then the three that I have left, and I think they're on pace with your Venom one. Number one, how much money does Letty race for in too her easy. first on-screen race at Race Wars? Too grad, agree. too easy. Who does Letty race in her first on-screen race at Race Wars? That one's Ross good, but Racer. I think that the answers could get kind like because he's not named, right? So, like, I like your last one. I like this what one. What number is Letty's car? I love this one. So we'll do that. We'll do two. It's 2.07, two, right? 2.07. 
No, 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 I don't like that. I want like 207, <laughs> 209, 201. Oh, you, you want to make it really hard. Yes. Okay, so 201, 204, 207, 209. Or no, 507. Well, I feel like if there's 207s, it tips off to which, it, that it's 07. Okay. Unless we want to change it to like 104, 204, 207, 507. But even then, it's like there's two 200s, there's two 207s. Yeah, this is really hard. Okay, cool. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> I was just looking at it, and I was trying to, like, you even have the answer bolded, and I'm like, what's the answer? My, my original one that Joe said no to that I was, that I didn't vocalize was 107, 207, 307, 407. Yeah. W. Disney. What number is Letty's car at Race Wars in minute 71? You want ass? Why don't you hit Hollywood Boulevard? 207. Yes. Oof. Brutal. Brutal. Any other thoughts, or should we take a break and bring in Mad, 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 Mad Mike Manzi? Um, I think that that's good, and that made me really... I, I sent it to my friends, and the only response I got was, fuck you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, and my actually, somebody got it right, 207. Wow. Okay. All right, let's take a break, and let's talk with Mike Manzi about It's a Mad, 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 Mad World. Episode number 105. It's a mad, 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 mad world. This episode is brought to you by Volkswagen. And if you run out of gas, it's easy to push. See? They think of everything. Getting a Volkswagen to the side of the road is a pushover. Shout out, Volkswagen. Shout out, Volkswagen, indeed. Well, here we are to talk about it's a mad, 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 four mads. Four mad world. I didn't know how many there were, so I just kept going until... Well, they wanted to do five. He was in the IMDb trivia. It says that this movie started out as called Where But In America, because that's kind of what they talk about, kind of some thematic stuff. And then Hmm. they changed the name to One Damn Thing After Another, then just It's a Mad (laughs) World. And then as they were making the movie, as production went on, they kept adding Mads, the director Stanley Kramer. Yeah, because I thought it was Stanley Kubrick for a minute when I was when I was like looking up the movie, but it's Stanley Kramer. <laughs> I read it as Stanley Tucci. So oh, I'm not supposed to talk. Yes. Both Stanley of us. Kramer and writer William Rose kept adding Mads as time went on, and then eventually they wanted to add a fifth Mad. They said that's too many, but then later uh, he regretted not adding a fifth Mad, which I think is kind of funny. <laughs> that is funny. So you heard his voice preemptively there. What joining us today to talk about? It's a mad, 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 mad world. We have mad, 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 mad Mike Manzi. Hello, mad, 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 nice. mad Mike, man, Mike Meister Manzi. Hello, 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 Joes. Thanks for having me back. <laughs> Boy, I think we need to end. I'm already exhausted and we're a minute into recording this. I half, half, half. Two <laughs> minutes of repetition. Okay, so today's a special day. I think we, I don't, obviously we what? do the back half now before we do the front half, so I don't know if we tease this, but today is Friday, July 3rd. Okay. Today on the podcast network, it is unofficially or officially Mike Manzi Day, because there is not Get one. Get ready for an adventure. There's not two. There's not three. There's not four. But there are five podcast episodes out today with Mike Manzi on them. Mike, Mike, we've Mike, got, Mike, Mike. We've got Mike, 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 Mike World. Yes. We've got this very fine podcast. <laughs> we've got our two Tom Tom Clubs. We've got the Tom Cruise 
films ranked. And we have, what did we just record Larry Crown on Hanks from the Memories? That's right. We also have Brian High School Slumber Party Rodriguez. Mike joined for, what was that movie you joined with Charlie Talbert? Oh, Three O'Clock High. Three O'Clock High. And then, of course, because it's the third of the month, we have Third Time to Charm. Mike, what's your Third Time to Charm episode today? It is The Search for Spock, Star Trek Three. So five Mike Manzi podcasts in one day. Amazing. Get it while it's hot. Yeah. Too much. Too much, Mike, it should be called. No. <laughs> we should reach out to Nico and Kevo. I don't know if they have recorded it yet, but now they're doing bonus episodes <laughs> on Friday, too, and there is a HTML episode coming out today, too, about Star Wars Clone Wars. So I've seen 85% of it. Maybe I, I think could just jump in at the end. I think they're in season four by now, but I don't know. I do not know. But anyway, I wanted to call special attention because we did not call attention to Thank it you. on Cruise Club because it was before. And actually, we did. That was, that was the inspiration for it. But we did not on Hanks because we're not good at it. And then I don't know... I'm sure Brian's going to mention at some point in Slumber Party, and I don't know if you did on yours, but I want to call special attention that if you can't get enough Mike, today's the day. Today's the day. Amazing. I never thought it would be possible. As though a three and a half hour long movie was not enough. Now we have five episodes with the Mikester today. I feel a little guilty. I don't know if I'm responsible for all of us watching the extended, extended cut. I was going to do it. I, I watched the extended cuts of everything for this, because it's like, Joey and I were talking about it. What movie would, did we just do, the Joey? The Blues Brothers. Yeah, the Blues Brothers. And we're like, like, what's an extra 15 minutes when you're already two hours deep? Well, this is an extra 40 minutes when you're already two hours and 40 minutes deep. Like, there's, yes. it's, a, it's a lot of extra footage. And it's also bizarre. Not- so this this movie, and Mike, you might have a little bit more insight into this. This movie was envisioned as the Roadshow. It was released as the Roadshow. There was like a three and a half hour version. Ugh, and then yeah. as they converted it to home video, it got condensed, mangled, and lost some footage. But then as time went on, they regained, they refound footage. And so it basically went from being like two and a half and like a 245. And there's like a 310. And what's on Blu-ray and what's on the Criterion Channel streaming mm-hmm. is a three hour and 17 minute version which we all watched, which is a lot. It's not all video. Sometimes they just have audio that they play under still images. And all the video that they do have isn't even pristine condition. It's like some of it is cropped weird. Some of it is like discolored. The audio is kind of mangled, but like... Yeah, poor Buster Keaton. Like an entire scene. (laughs) I know. It's as close, apparently, it's as close to the original version of the Roadshow, the version that they showed in theaters, as we can get because that's just what mm-hmm. they have. That's great. That's what I always try to watch as well. When we were in college studying film and stuff, like I was a huge fan of Metropolis, and I think like over the course of like a decade, they found like so much additional footage over the years, they ended up releasing like five versions of it, and because like, wow. they just keep adding on to it, like every piece that they find, until they can make like as complete a version as possible. So that's why I loved to watch this version, because I love seeing it mix and match and put, to get, put back together again. It's kind of fun. It's kind of an interesting feel. That's what I thought too. Like I was, I was worried that it was like taking me out of it, but I kind of liked how jumbled it felt as like a roadshow kind of version. So it, it didn't bother me too much. It, like if you're gonna watch this movie, just suck it up and watch the three hour and seventeen version. Brian Rodriguez and I have come across this before, actually, on Third Times a Charm. I think it was in like one of the um, prom night movies, or maybe it was even in one of the Slumber Party Massacre sequels, where there were drastic cuts for home video or for television and then we were watching the you know restored versions and it would go from hd to basically 420p and then back again Mm -hmm. back and forth and stuff cut to vhs and then back to blu-ray i love when that happens what was i we were watching like blackenstein for film club one week and that one did like the same thing like they found like some extended footage and it would just like 
be all wacky because they found it on some weird tape, and I like that too. Mike mentioned Metropolis earlier. Like, it's news. Like, oh, they found three new frames of Metropolis. Like, they're going to splice in. It's like, <laughs> yeah. It's a movie that's almost 100 years old. It's probably, what, like 93-ish? Because it's like 1927 or something? It's crazy old. Like, it's really, really old. Yeah, and I mean, there are just like hundreds of films that are just lost to the sands of time. You know, like London After Midnight, this Todd Browning horror film is like one of the most iconic photos of like this guy in a top hat with like sharp shark teeth, like smiling. And it's just like this classic lost film. There's no footage of it. He eventually remade it, but it's just not the same, you know? So like so much film history is just gone. This movie, and I'm glad you said that, this movie really kind of cemented that for me, that a couple of years ago, do you remember there was like a fire at the Warner Brothers archive and it yeah. lost all these like master, all this audio that they had captured, right? Like all these like old, and like artists that like people didn't really know, the most popular stuff in the world has been pretty much preserved as best as it can, but like there's a lot of stuff in there that that was where it lived and now it's gone forever. Mm-hmm. And watching this and like even a movie that is as well known as this, that's as beloved as this, that is had the chance for the Criterion Collection to try to salvage it and save it and preserve it, it's still not, like, great. Like, 80% of this is great, but, like, (laughs) 40 minutes of the movie is, I don't want to say unwatchable, but, like, compared to, like, the beautiful restoration of the rest is, like, basically unwatchable. It it turns into Grindhouse. Yeah. Is is essentially, like, what happens. (laughs) It's, like, my reference. And watching it this time, I'm like, this is why we should try, like, our very best to preserve art for as long as we can, like, whatever it is, because... Once it's gone, it's gone forever. And even if it's not a thing that like people are going to love, like somebody's going to love it, right? So Something just for do everyone. your best to keep it out there. If people don't, if people have not seen this movie, if they don't have three and a half hours to sit down and watch this movie, in the opening scene, Jimmy Durante. So basically, there's like I don't know hundreds of people in this movie, like every comedic actor <laughs> yes. except for Charlie Chaplin, essentially. It, yes. Yeah, the most famous people still alive and kicking. I guess. They, yeah. I mean, these guys were still working when I was a kid. Like I recognized them from old age so it's always great to see them midlife like this too it's hilarious so stanley kramer was apparently just asking virtually everyone like hey do you want to come do a scene in this and a lot of people said no but like they got obviously a ton of different people and he was contacting so many people that other people started calling him and like Like, volunteering (laughs) and and being like why didn't you call me yet and so he like did brought people in like that. That's uh, the only cool, person actually. he did not reach out to is Charlie Chaplin because he was in self-imposed exile in Switzerland mm. and was so rich that like no amount of money would bring him out. So he's <laughs> not in this. I don't know if he was around yet, but Jerry Lewis seemed conspicuously absent, even though Don Knotts feels like a stand-in for him in this movie. But I don't know if he was had a career yet even, so I don't know. There was one, like there, Laurel and Hardy, one, whoever, which, whichever one of them died first... Uh, obviously was not in this movie, but then his partner was like, I'm, I vowed to never perform without my partner, so I'm not going to be mm. in the movie, but somebody else wore the pork pie hat in their honor. So like, there's like touches of people who aren't mm. in here. But Mike, you mentioned before, Buster Keaton was going to be the uh, Smiler Grogan, the guy who dies at the beginning of this movie, but then that went to Jimmy Durante, and then Mike, you mentioned that Buster Keaton got reassigned to this other part that is lost to the sands of time. So there's just like a picture of Buster Keaton, which would be like in place of him probably doing like amazing physical comedy that we just can't see, right? Yeah, so. mm-hmm. he's, he's in one wide shot at the very end. You wouldn't even know it was him unless you knew he was playing that character. Oh, and that's also the crazy thing is that this, this was shot in 2.76 to 1, 
which is like what do they call it? Like it's just like a super ultra panas panorama panascape whatever, right? It's beautiful. It's gorgeous, and the blocking is incredible. And this must have taken so much patience to make this movie. Just the craft of it just seems like so amazing. I like how wide it is. I agree. I think I I was noticing that it's like very wide because the shots just pan super long. Like when they released it to home video originally, they pan and scanned it down to one point three seven, which means mm. half of it was cut off Ouch. fully half of the screen so people like entire characters were just cut out of scenes like there's no way there's so many wide shots where like it just spans from side to side mm-hmm. and there's just no way to have them in the movie and it's like a bummer i mean we talked on here about like the simpsons getting cropped on disney plus and stuff and them fixing it but like i mean you're losing a lot but this is half of a movie that you're just not seeing <laughs> yep. and one that's yeah. filled with like you know, practical jokes and practical stunts and effects. Yep. So, like, Turner Classic Movies and Martin Scorsese put out a great public service announcement, like, a long time ago, actually. But you can catch it online. They air it every once in a while about the the reason for widescreen and how bad pan and scanning and all reformatting stuff is. And I could never imagine watching this on VHS. Like, it would be, like, after, especially after seeing it this way, it, I could never, like, want to do that. I agree. And I, I first saw this movie on Turner Classics as well. So another shout out to those guys yeah. is for, for actually presenting movies the way that they were originally intended. For sure. As much as possible. And the one other bit of trivia that I want to say before we get going is that you mentioned all the physical comedy and just the way the blocking and everything is that every lead actor in this movie got two scripts. They got one of dialogue and one of the actions because there was so much stuff Mm, happening, literal things happening on screen that they had an entire other screenplay that they were just like, hey, this is what you're supposed to be doing in the movie, which is just bananas. Like, I don't think, like, you don't do that. No, that's logistically genius, though. Who thinks of that? A genius mind, I guess, you know? But, (laughs) like, I couldn't imagine, like, that seems like something they should be doing with stuff like Star Wars, right? Where it's like, let's just focus on the dialogue here, and then we could really polish the action over here, and then we'll just, like, merge it together. It also seems like kind of like a Tommy Wiseau kind of idea, where, like, this could have gone really horribly (laughs) if, like, they wouldn't have, like, had good actors and, like, they'd executed it well right like if you were like okay you get two scripts but like one's what you're doing and one's the dialogue and they're like uh <laughs> like tommy hands you a script and you're like tommy there's no dialogue yeah it's just action <laughs> yeah just do it <laughs> so what this movie is about for a movie that is three and a half hours long it's wildly simple is that the very is, beginning yeah. of the movie smiler grogan dies he's in a car crash as we've seen time and again on this lap a car goes over a cliff immediately lying, yep. <laughs> dead about to die And this group of five dudes in a group of eight people in total, two wives and a mother-in-law, the five dudes run down to see what's going on. And he says, before he dies, I buried $350,000 200 miles from here. It's under the big W. And then he dies. Like, he tells roughly where it is in this park. Look Mm -hmm. under the big W. The next three hours and 15 minutes. No, actually not, because there's like a seven-minute credit sequence, which is amazing to open the movie. So the next, like, three hours is them getting to Southern California to find the money. And that's the movie everything possibly goes wrong and it's essentially just a giant car chase too like the whole it's a movie. car chase it's a plane chase it's a bike chase yep. it's like every <laughs> planes trains and automobiles to find this money i was thinking it's it's got like cannonball run going definitely with it. Cannonball it's got like run. rat race i don't know if you guys have seen that movie rat we talked race, about uh, it on our wait, last we episode about it? yeah we were mentioning that we were going to do this movie next and our guest garrett from last episode said that um like you guys know that rat race the movie is based on this movie oh okay that's like kind of like a loose remake right it's it's incredible though how the inciting incident is within like the first like 
three minutes of the movie. Oh yeah, you get you get all the exposition you're ever gonna need within mm-hmm. the next three next minutes of the movie, and then it's just off and running for three hours. Like I was you know, so confused because I, mean... <laughs> I hadn't seen this, and like when I saw it, I was like, okay, like this is gonna be like a lo- long slow burn. Like I, you know, I was getting mentally prepared for it this morning before I watch it, and then like no, the movie like starts with a car jump. They tell you exactly what they're gonna do. I was like, wow, we didn't like waste any time doing this, and then it's like, okay, then you get a three hours of like chaos. You know, they cut back to the cops every once in a while and stuff and like that's a lot of fun too what's going on there but primarily it's these people on the road trying to get from point a to point b and it's just like stripping everything else away look how much you can do with something with such a small idea i was just like amazed every sequence with where the movie was going and what they the bits and things like that that they figured out to do is just like the escalation is just incredible in this movie because what was crazy to me is that it reminded me joe of our hobbs and shaw episode we just talked about it with garrett but like with half an hour left in the movie 35 minutes left in the movie they yeah. have the money in their hands and i'm like how the hell is this movie not over like you just i, and I then agree there's still i another thought the 30 same minutes. thing yeah i like when they got to like like, when they start seeing and figuring out where the W is, right? I pause the movie to be like, how much time do I have left? And when they get to the park and see the W at the beginning, there's 45 minutes of this movie left. Mm-hmm. I was so like, Joe, whoa. I have what will be your favorite trivia for this movie and possibly for any movie. What? Tell me. Do you recognize the W? No, I don't. What is it? So the W is an X. X marks the spot, right? Yes. Can you think of any establishment that has a big x out in front of every locale big x is it in and out mm-hmm. yeah in and out they... burger restaurants feature a pair of palm trees yep. forming a big x as an homage to this movie oh! the favorite movie of founder harry snyder that is so <laughs> cool how many big w well it should have been a w for whataburger for you right yeah but I saw that. Like, that's the top-rated trivia. On that's IDEA. such a like, cool that's trivia. Cool. You nailed it. Yeah, that's really, really good. I like that. I didn't know it was because of that, but, like, I definitely know the two X palm trees. That makes yep. sense. Yep. They did a version of this at the end of a Simpsons episode, and it was buried under the big T, and it was, like, a T-shaped palm tree. Oh, nice. <laughs> that's cool. Stupidest things I've ever seen. <laughs> nice. This movie really felt like, to me, kind of like Death Proof in how we were viewing Death Proof, that it feels like it's a master class in 1920s to 1960s comedy, and I don't get the references. Like, I know of these people, and I recognized some of them, but I feel like if we had spent, like, we do, like, not we're going to, because it doesn't make sense for this, but, like, if we did a lap of, like, Buster Keaton movies and Jimmy Mm -hmm. Durante movies, like, all these people, you'd be, like, at the end, be like, oh, shit, that's that, that's that, that's that, that's Spencer, that's Spencer Tracy, that's whoever, but I'm just like, who's this Babe Ruth-looking motherfucker? Like, (laughs) this is amazing, Joey, on two fronts, because I was thinking of Death Proof in another way later on with some of the car stunts and everything like that, um because of the technicality and everything it's like i couldn't believe they're able to do that back then as far as like the references and stuff this is something i definitely wanted to ask you guys about because as i briefly mentioned earlier like i knew basically every face in this film before i even saw this movie because they were still around when i was growing up in the 80s like watching either nick at night or whatever like buddy hackett jonathan winters like spencer tracy is in one of my all-time favorite movies inherit the wind i mean he was in father of the bride like he's in tons of great stuff but like Sid Caesar and all these guys, Milton Burrow, Uncle Milton and all this, like I had these references like and it was like so weird to me as a little kid 
to like get a lot of what was going on. Like I felt like I was in on something and I wasn't sure what yet, but like nice. I, I was really curious if you guys like lost if if it mattered or no, if you're like not at all. Any of that kind of stuff. Because I mean, you know, Mickey Rooney, obviously you guys know him. Yeah. So like but, he's like, in a lot but of But I, I wouldn't stuff. even say obviously. Like I know of him and I think I only Same. know of him specifically now because as everything is being like retroactively pulled from things like I've heard about him in Breakfast at Tiffany's like five different places in the last month like his portrayal mm-hmm. of an Asian man in Breakfast at Tiffany's like I recognized his face but like I don't know I couldn't name a movie he's been in like I know of these people like, these are all huge names I agree with I don't Joey. really know yep. these people like I recognized like some of their faces like the, everybody looked vaguely familiar to me I couldn't have picked out anyone in the movie besides um <laughs> Barney Fife from Mayberry. Oh, Don Knotts. Yeah, yeah Don Knotts. The, uh, Andy that's Griffith a, show. From yeah. the Andy Griffith show. That's like the only guy that I was like, okay, that's definitely him because he looked exactly the same as I remember it. But like the rest of them, I was like, no. Like I couldn't pick out any of these guys. Not at this time with them looking this young. Like seeing Mickey Rooney now, I'm like, okay, cool. Like I know who you're talking about. But like if I would have had to pick him out in the movie, I would have had no idea. What I literally did is at the beginning of the movie when all five dudes are around Smiler Grogan, I went to Wikipedia and I saw like the first paragraph of the plot summary and it had everybody's character name mm. and their profession. And I was like, okay, so I have this guy. He's a furniture mover. Let me look him up. Okay, he's him. Okay, there's this guy. He's a restaurateur. He's a small business owner. Okay, that's him. And like I literally went and I was like, I know all these people. Now I'm putting a face to the name. But without doing that, I don't know that I would have recognized. It doesn't, ma- it doesn't matter. It me. didn't matter though. You're right. That's 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 the main point of what we were trying to get to here, considering what Mike was saying. Just like it didn't matter. The movie's still fun, right? Like it. The, I definitely wish I would have gotten some of the like background stuff because I think that there's a lot of Easter eggs in it that I'm not getting. It was still like, yeah, totally fine by me. I mean, you got the one, the giant, the huge one, the one that every crowd apparently not only laughed at but applauded. What? Three Stooges? Three Stooges as firefighters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the one that, like, everybody apparently lost their mind every single time. That moment, I feel like that moment might have, like, been a turning point in comedies for films. Like, that be- that feels like a um, like this meta moment that would become huge in films like Airplane and, and Naked Gun would be entire thing. I just watched it, the entire Angie Tribeca, and it's basically like that those types of jokes and like in the beginning when he like dies and he literally kicks a bucket yes there are little things like that that. rachel loved that part of this yeah i feel like they're really ahead of their time here and they're like in a i mean it might sound crazy but they're like breaking some kind of new ground with this no, I think they are. Like, I think they are. The Three Stooges were, it was just five seconds as the shortest cameo, but it still feels like something is happening there. Like, you would see people pop up, and like, whether it's for a scene now or whatever, like, the, the big takeaway or the big thing that everybody writes about when they write about this movie is that you could never make this movie today. That there's just sense? not enough comedic actors. Well, and that everyone's dead? No, I'm just kidding. But like... So actually, yeah, so there's, the only, there's only three people still alive from this entire cast. Carl Reiner, Nicholas Georgiade, and Barry Chase. Mickey Rooney died, I think, in 2014. He was the last one of the main cast to be alive. But only three people out of probably, what, like 80 are still alive, which is bananas to me. That's nuts, yeah. There's just not enough comedic actors. Like, comedies have changed. I was thinking, I was trying to think, like, what's the closest thing we have to this today? And it's probably, like, Avengers Endgame. But it's also, that doesn't count (laughs) because you've had 22 movies or whatever building up to make that specific thing happen. That's hilarious, It has to be, like, this is the end or something comedically, right? right? Like, that's what I would imagine. Like, one of these, like, comedy movies that's, like, a bunch of cameos, but just, like, really, like, fleeting. And you just follow kind of, yeah. That's that's the best guess that I got. But even if you look at, like, the Cannonball Run films, right, which are kind of, you could say they're, like, 
based on this as well yeah. to mm-hmm. a degree. They're not all comedians, right? Like no. Burt Reynolds is not a comic. He wasn't known for that or anything. Like it's littered with stars and cameos for sure, but it's not like like this would be like you're right. Like you'd have to grab like Steve Martin, Chevy Chase, like all the old guys and all the new young kids and yeah. like, you know, put them all in here. This is the end is probably relatively close to as close as we can get today, but even with those, like it feels like there's like two or three or four different like pockets of comedy actors. Like there's like the Judd yeah. Apatow track. There's mm-hmm. like the state guys and they don't usually cross pollinate. Like, they kind of just tend to work together. Right. Mm-hmm. And not with fair. each other. Very fair. Yeah, I agree. If this was today, it would be like if all of them went together and I just don't know. Yeah. I don't think it would. Could you I, Im- I, I, imagine like, yeah, the state plus the Upright Citizen Brigade plus like SNL plus like, the Mr. Show guys plus everybody. Plus you know those I mean? dudes. Yeah. yeah. Playing nice together. Like, I don't know. I think back then it was just a different business. Like these guys got told what to do. Right. And like you had to or else they'd the studio would cut you off or something and it'd be like uh spencer tracy like you want to get drunk tonight you want enough money to drink like then do this movie (laughs) so let's talk about some of the fast action because there's there's a lot of there's okay i guess in a a movie that's three and a half hours long there's a lot of everything so there's like a lot of car stuff but i don't know i would call this a car movie but there are car chases and like it's a it is a car i mean like it's it's a car it's like midnight run right like it's a car it's a road movie it's a road movie. That's a much better description. Yeah. I was like watching it and I was like, there's a ton of car stunts. They wreck a ton of cars. They do a ton of like interesting things with cars. And it is a road movie the whole time, but like it doesn't feel like a car movie. You know what I mean? So I feel like it started off that way, right? And then it just kind of evolves. They get into airplanes and I guess there's no actual boat chase or anything but there's a lot of planes and well the one car you know, kind of becomes a boat yeah yeah exactly i mean it becomes a foot chase at some point as well so it's just like a, i just thought of it as like a race film almost yeah i mean it is it's like rat race is this but like not good i mean i don't i haven't seen rat race in a while i, re- I remember I like loving it. it when i was 10 i don't know that i would like <laughs> it today it's fine it's it's good brain mush rachel and i it was funny that we were talking about watching this movie because like i, I mentioned it on the last episode too like two or three weeks ago we were like drunk and rachel was like i got a real hankering to watch rat race and like it was like a very strange thing and it was on amazon prime so we were watching that like a couple weeks ago and i had no idea that it was like you know very similar to this movie or it was a homage to this movie i mean watch it again it, it's funny like it's fine to put on in the background a good saturday afternoon movie it's nothing that you have to like go watch immediately it's got some smash mouth there at the end so oh, yeah. you get your smash mouth finale oh, actually you know what it's around the same time it's a totally different thing rat race is much closer but it's also like mystery men at that time feels a little like this we're just like uh... why are all these different weird people in this movie i don't understand yeah yeah that's fair yeah maybe it did something about maybe this isn't maybe Maybe that's another thing like this movie was like oh look at how many like different actors we can get from across the different studios or whatever is like who would have ever imagined you'd see this guy act with that guy and like that could have even been like a a new thing too where it's like oh shit now like yeah what is keeping these guys apart in the same film from now on and you know what i mean and like maybe it opened the door to create more interesting and elaborate ensemble movies i don't know yes i mean this this movie probably influenced everything in like both very obvious and very subtle ways, right? <laughs> I agree. Yeah. Yeah, it felt like that for sure. Probably pulling from like a million things like we'll never even realize too. Exactly. Sure. So let's talk fast and actions. There was one, I mean, the big one, Mike, you were mentioning before that is just like the, the most crazy fast connection of all time, which came up again in another thing this lap as well. What? Tuna connection. The tuna connection. Tuna oh, connection. Oh, yeah. dude, the tuna factory robbery. Yeah. Like once I heard that, I was like, motherfucker. 
Walker. Like, this is, this is like, really it. They nailed it, right? Because I'm, like, watching this, and I'm kind of, like, pro- so preoccupied with, like, the physical humor of it and, like, all the gags and stuff that, like, I was, like, kind of losing track of the fast connections or, like, you know, trying to watch to, like, consider what's happening. Once they said, like, they robbed a tuna factory, I was like, oh, God, this is perfect. I perked up, like, immediately. But also, I remember the first time watching this movie, I didn't catch that. Like, this is only the third, only, I mean, it's a three and a half. Ten hours of your life watching this movie. (laughs) This is actually the third time I've seen it. So I saw, like, it on Turner Classics, so I saw, like, the original whatever cut was just the DVD cut. Years later, I got the Criterion, and I sat down and watched this extended cut, and then rewatched it again for this time. We had another tuna movie that I had to look up because I couldn't remember, but remember My Cousin Vinny all starts with the Tuna Factory, too, where he's, or not Tuna Factory, hello, starts with tuna when he robs the can, he steals the can of tuna from the gas station or from the rest stop or whatever, and then they get arrested and they think they're going to jail for robbing the tuna, but instead it's for murder. But like comedy car movies are tuna linked to the Fastiverse? I guess so. (laughs) The first time I watched this movie, I didn't even know where the money came from. I totally missed wherever the fortune was Mm. from and buried, and I must have just tuned out at that moment, no pun intended, tuned out for too much tuna. (laughs) But this time, yeah, I remembered from last time, And uh, but this was the first time watching it after you guys had started the Too Fast, Too Forever podcast, so like my ears were like on fire as (laughs) soon as he said the tuna factory was robbed. I was like, oh my god. (laughs) I also like that it was, you know, 15 years ago, right? It's been like, it's been a long time coming. That is almost, I mean, it's been a little bit more than 15 years since the tune on white, no crust, but like, yep. it's basically like if there was a, if they, if we were just recovering now money that they had made from jacking the truck in the first movie, it's like that much time has elapsed in the great tuna heist of Smiler Grogan's history. <laughs> <laughs> One of the great, great, great sequences in this movie is the service shop, the garage, like the gas station demolition. Oh, yeah. There's a fast connection in there that uh, he's using the engine block as a weapon, which I think is, you know, Dom uses a little bit in... He threatens to, right? He, like, grabs and grabs the chain. Jonathan Winters was accidentally left on stage and bound in black tape, and everyone else went to lunch, and they came back, like, an hour or two later, and they realized he couldn't even free his arms. And so, in retaliation, he gave a three-hour lecture on forced potty training, which I guess means he might have peed himself while they were gone. I don't know. That's kind of a weird, dark <laughs> turn, like, but a great, okay. a great, great scene. Was it like comedic or like? I have no idea. It? That's all. That's all I got. Oh. I don't know. I didn't look further into it, but there's a. I feel like his character too gets gets the shaft the most in this movie as well. Like maybe things were just getting too real, like during filming, and they just were like treating him like they were treating his character, like not even realizing it. <laughs> what other fast actions? Got a couple, but uh, I've been talking a lot. So Joe, Mike, what other fast actions aside from the tuna factory? What'd you What'd you catch? I like the music when the when the, you first get to the police station and you see the assistant cop like go get the coffee and like everybody stops and they play like exotic music to um sexualize her and i was like oh that's very fast and the furious of them like a giselle like walking away moment and it like slows down and you get like the <laughs> the shot from behind and i was like oh that's pretty funny my favorite fa- fast action comes at the end when they're all in the body cast at the end and i so wanted somebody to flex out of it like oh. so badly like a paper mache body cast like i just wanted somebody to be like oh and just do the rock and just like break it but like sadly i didn't get that yeah only the rock can do that but what we do get is we get the you know the movie begins with somebody literally kicking the bucket and it ends with a literal slip on a banana peel which i was like that is (laughs) comedy from start to finish yeah so i got one what what is it i thought of a fast connection when buddy hackett and mickey rooney are trying to land a plane this is the carl reiner sequence actually and they're they're talking to the air traffic controller guys yeah yeah the one the one guy they bring in they're like forget about the brakes don't worry about the brakes we got the longest runway ever like you're not gonna have to worry about 
about it, you'll just you'll oh. just gradually come to a halt. I didn't even. And you'll think stop of that. on your own. The runway is so long. Oh, it God. won't even matter. You're so genius. That's perfect. I didn't even think of that one. But yes, they do mention the world's wrong, longest runway. Oh man, Fast Six. There we go. Maybe that. Maybe it's the same runway that they were in, but. You know, that goes across Germany all the way to California or whatever. It's like the Autobahn that just spans the Atlantic and all of America or all of Asia and the Pacific, whichever <laughs> exactly. way is going to be shorter. It's like that World Train map that's been circulating online recently. Have you seen that? Like the under, like the world subway system or whatever? No. If it was just like the world's runway or something? Oh, no, you know, Some I guy just did this. like a Photoshop trying to connect like all the major cities around the world with like a train system or something. Oh, that'd be interesting. Cool. Yeah, like a Hyperloop. There were a couple, I mean, it's not exactly fast connections, but connections to other movies that we've covered this lap in that we've got so many cars going off cliffs in this So movie. many. So there's many. There's also, and we don't see the accident, but there's a tunnel that they approach, and I was like, ooh, Italian job. There's something happens in the tunnel, and like the car comes out missing a tire, like the whole tire comes out first and the car comes out after, but I was thinking about the Italian job of the Italian mafia mm-hmm. just there, right, just ready to like kill people or like blow up cars by having the bulldozers parked there, and I was just like, there's a lot of cars blowing up or getting damaged or you know, becoming road unworthy in similar ways in this movie. I liked all the car stunts in this, and I liked how many times they would go, like, up and down a hill, like, in these old-ass cars, (laughs) like, that don't have great suspensions. Like, I was like, holy shit, they must have broken, like, a ton of these cars in this filming. Do you know how many that they, like, broke, or, like, how much that this cost? No, they don't have that. No, unfortunately. I don't, they didn't have that on my I didn't didn't dig deeper. Like, I could always dig deeper in these movies, but I don't have, like, I just, there's, like, a lot of trivia on there, a lot of people, references to performers and everything, I'm like, I don't really have the context, so. No, because, like, when I was watching this, that was, like, one of my main things about this, because like, we always talk about, you know, like, how much damage does the the Fast Fam do in a movie, and, like, these guys destroyed everything. Like, the sets had to be <laughs> so expensive, because they just, like, demolish everything consistently, like, throughout the whole movie. They're just, like, breaking everything. There was a really funny credit in the opening credits where they're, like, apologize mm-hmm. to the following oh, cities. Oh, yeah, I wrote that down exactly <laughs> verbatim. It's, our thanks and apologies to the following California communities, which I think Rachel is very, loved that very too. funny. That intro scene is really cool, too. We were talking about it, because what movie were we watching, Joey, that they had, like, a really long, was it Cannonball Run, where the car comes around through, like, the Fox logo? Oh, yeah, it was a Cannonball Run. There was supposed to be one in Smoking the Bandit, but I, the version that I watched didn't have one, so I don't know if they cut that, or maybe that was just in theaters. I don't know, but yeah. Yeah, it was a cannonball run with Hal Needham's movie, yeah. Yeah, and so, like, when I saw this, I was like, oh, that's really cool that they just, like, did this very extended opening sequence, like... I also liked in the opening credits that there was... They put Jonathan... No, wait, who they put first? They put Spencer Tracy first, and then they put everybody else in alphabetical order after, like, a bunch of cameos, like, they have the Three Stooges and everything, and at the end it says, and Jimmy Durante, and it says, and a few surprises. And I was like, that's such a weird, cool thing, just like, hey, we're, we're putting a lot of names up here, but, like, there's still some stuff here that you're not going to be expecting. I like that, too, because... Don't you get frustrated when you see a movie and they, like, have who's in the movie, but it's, like, a surprise in the movie? Something similar to this, I feel, came up uh, when Joey and I were doing the Cruise Club Tom Cruise clip show, and he appeared in Austin Powers 3. And I remember telling Joey, like, there that was a, that was a complete secret. Like, under, like, nobody leaked that. It was, like, prior to the internet even, I think, being a big thing and stuff. But it felt like the same kind of thing, where it wasn't in the credits as, like, 
look out for something special, but like right at the top of the movie is like blowing your mind with like. Well, because we were even talking last episode about Hobbs and Shaw about how like we follow along with like rumor sites and everything like mm-hmm. that, and we had no idea that Kevin Hart was going to be in the movie. So when he like turns around in the seat, we're like, how how this it happens? Hits. It hits a lot better, yeah, when you don't expect them. There is another fast action. It's not exactly how it's happened in the past, but this lap we've seen a few different cars drive through billboards. And we don't have a car through mm. a billboard here, but we have a plane go through a billboard, which is kind of like next level, uh, yeah. you know, the elevation, literal elevation of like a, a, a vehicle going through a billboard, which I thought was pretty funny. Yeah. I thought that uh, Sylvester and his car was like the most fast and furious at one point when he just like hops in his car and he's racing to meet his mom. He's like, I'm coming, mama. And he's just like, going full speed over like train tracks and all kinds of things and it and it just made me wonder like these cars are not meant to go fast right no. like the car, like most of these cars are very unsafe at these high speeds yeah it's incredible i think like really the explosion of like car and like race movies is kind of past this era like when they were like making like more performance cars to see them do something so wacky like this with cars in cars that i'm like that thing should not be going downhill like that is like very frightening to me i think that they use that to the movie's advantage that when yes otto is trying to escape from that like park and he's got a little kid getting and he's just like basically how do i get out of here because my car can't go that way like i can't do that thing and the kid's like just follow me give me three dollars and follow me and then he goes and tries to cross the river in the car and then the car just becomes he's like it's a canoe but apparently that guy can't swim the actor can't swim and he almost drowned doing that which is oh that's crazy he's my favorite part of the movie phil silvers like i as soon as he shows up i can't stop laughing like just went the way he smiles and all that shit like it's written on his face like you know like he's a total you know he's just out for himself and everything but i just i love his stuff i think the most to be honest and he's the one who's on his own the most i think too is he just like a shady like a, just like a greasy guy like he's not like actually a cia agent when he gets rid of that guy right no no yeah he's, he's just, just like, like a lying. con man i think yeah, yeah okay right cool that's what i expected <laughs> and that's another amazing amazing thing about this movie too is like everybody has an identity right it's not dwelled upon it's like yeah maybe this guy's a dentist and this guy tried to sell seaweed uh, edible seaweed and mm-hmm. all this but it's not about like what they do it it, it just comes out as who they are like mm-hmm. they're all sort of like such distinct characters and they're all driven by greed and you see what happens when like different people from different places are all under the same motivation and how they like all handle it differently and everything and i think Like, that's a real testament to, like, the script and the actors, like, bringing all this alive. It's like, by the end of it, you're like, I know all these people now, and I buy them all. Like, (laughs) totally. Again, it's crazy to think that, like, in a a three-and-a-half-hour-long movie, you don't need to know a lot about the people. But you don't need to know a lot about the people. You just kind of need to know, like, their general motivation for why they, what they could do with their share of $350,000, which, by the way, would be, like, almost $3 million today. So it's it's a good amount of money it's a good amount of money yeah that's what i was thinking too like how much would that be today because three hundred thousand dollars like back then it had to have been like a ton so three million sounds about right yeah that works yeah, i have a feeling like if if like eight people came across three hundred and fifty thousand dollars today they'd still act like bananas to go find it you know i don't think it needs yeah, to be 20 grand upgraded for, too yeah. much like <laughs> i'm with you like 20 grand would be like pretty solid like I, I would definitely spend a two-hour road trip to go dig up 20 grand worth of like my share of the money and i do think it's very funny like it was very it was reminding me of like things that we like as we've tried to plan podcasts or whatever like trying to come up with like this very meticulous like okay how many shares because it's not five shares it's not eight shares okay we got 25 shares and i still don't even fully understand the math it's like we got three people in your car so that's three shares but then because there's three people in a car that's three more shares i'm like that doesn't it was every action 
you get like a share for every action you were involved with is what they were trying to do at the beginning. But I felt like they were doubling up on things that didn't need to be. I was just like, I don't like. I know it's supposed to be comical. I was trying to like figure out the math for all. I'm like, this is crazy. I love it at the end when they're all around the money and they're trying to decide then like all the shares and one guy's counting everybody and you know they even count like the cab drivers because they're just there, right? And so yeah. like everybody's well, they have to count everybody in so that they don't get like reported. They're like, if we don't yeah. count everyone in, then somebody's gonna like snitch. So that's great too because people are showing up who weren't there at the beginning so like some people aren't even aware that other people have joined the race Mm -hmm. they're like do you know that guy i don't know who the hell that guy is it's like but he's got a shovel yeah (laughs) okay especially like i think i think your your guy silverman though mike is like he's like hey mom who's that guy she's like i don't know he's like hey mom who's that guy hey mom who are those guys she's like i don't know like what do you expect from me like i'm you know there's a there's a weird kind of something like a sentimental moment that like they're greedy and against each other until they have the money in their hands they're like okay cool like let's figure this out and then the greatest irony of all, which is really the only way this movie could end, is none of them get it. Oh yeah, it had to end with none of them getting it. I just had, I just wanted to know how they were going to do it. So what happens is, right, is that the cop takes it to say that he's going to confiscate it, but he's trying to run away with it, right? Yeah, he heads for the border. <laughs> okay, but like, at what point do we know that that's what he's going to do? Is it just like when he like kind of like breaks bad and goes a little crazy because he's like, okay, everything's just melting? So there is a there's a moment. I think that that shows that that states that but I think in the edited cut that we watched it comes earlier and there's a lot of talk about his pension right and he's like telling the okay. guys like you're going to bat for me about my pension and all this and that and the other thing and it comes back to him that it, like he's not going to get his pension and so I think he seizes the opportunity right he like puts two and two together and he's like I'll just take this money instead and I'll just yep. go on my merry way and that'll be that and he was like the whole time he was so stoked to be like a good cop and he's like, look, like, I finally, like, solved this case. I'm going to solve this case. I'm going to solve this case. He's like, well, I'm not going to get a pension. So he's like, so fuck him. It's a real Brian O'Connor moment. It very. Yeah. That's what I was oh, getting, yeah. that's what I was getting to. A hundred percent. He just, like, is like, yeah, you know what? Never mind. Cop life isn't for me. Yeah, it's interesting, though, how I, I, that comes a little earlier in the extended cut, I felt like. Of all the stuff, I feel like there's more stuff at the police station than anything else that's been reinserted and because you get a better sense of sort of you know how corrupt they are they're betting on everything they're like betting on the entire race and like if they're gonna make a right turn like who's gonna get where first and all this there's like five will get you ten and all these things and so like they're clearly corrupt and all the stuff the guy ends up getting the pension but it's too late and he's like blackmailing the mayor with all that stuff he's like i've kept the record of all the shady shit we've done in this city for years and i'm really i'm gonna bring myself down on top of all this so like you better give us that pension stuff i was looking at reviews on letterbox for this not just to play the letterbox game later but just to find out what people are saying and the most liked review on Letterboxd is talking about this guy who, like, really had a good time watching the movie, but, like, he watched it on a 70-millimeter print in Los Angeles. It was like, it's great. But oh. there was this asshole next to him who just kept talking, like, laughing, being like, okay, here's the Buster Keaton part. Okay, here's that guy. Here's this guy. Here's like, just that talking out loud during the movie. bananas. And, like, laughing, like, really, really loud. And then the lights come up during the intermission, and the guy turns... And it's Quentin Tarantino. And he's like, Oh, God. What? Oh. And Tarantino turns to me, just like, Hey, how are you liking the movie? And the guy, like, instantly was just like, Oh, no, I'm, I'm like, I'm, bored. I'm on board with this now. Like, I'm just not, like, it's, you know, I'm okay with him. 
I would be like, oh, this is just like a good story, but like it's so annoying. Yeah, it's your chance to tell him off, being like, shut the fuck up, Tarantino. Like, I love your movies, man, but you Why don't are you take annoying a as hell. <laughs> and calm down a little bit. Don't you have your own movie theater at home you can watch your own print? <laughs> the review was also saying that like he was laughing at everything like it was the first time that he had seen it, but like very clearly, like Tarantino had probably seen this movie a whole bunch of times, but like he was like he so was yacked into out. It. But yeah, I think that I thought it was very funny that we were talking about before but i was just like yeah yes. like, like that's the it only tracks. way to make an obnoxious film like theater experience better is just like oh the person who is doing that is at like least it's tarantino my favorite movies yeah 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 like that, that he's he's the only one that i would be like uh like yeah like mike was saying though like i would have to like i wouldn't say anything like respectfully to him. diss him right? yeah You'd i wouldn't to... even say anything to him but i would be like it was still fucking annoying, and I would tell everybody, like, I saw this movie once, and Quentin Tarantino was just, like, yakking the fuck. Like, he was just, like, yapping, yapping, yapping the whole fucking movie, and it was driving me crazy. But, like, it was Tarantino, so, like, I couldn't say anything about it. In the intermission, in the version that we saw, there is mm-hmm. the audio, like, the police sirens and police speakers, like, saying what's going on with the characters. They were piping that around the theater. So, like, in the lobby, oh, in the bathroom, so cool. no, matter, no matter where you were, you could hear, like, quote-unquote, police chatter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's awesome. so smart. Oh, man, I really like that touch. That's really nice. Because I was wondering what the hell's going on with there this. There was so was much, like, like downtime like... and, like, blackness. Yeah. yeah. It's probably three to five minutes. Like, it's not a crazy amount of time, but, like, it's a long amount of time. For... I think it's, I think it's like, the actual length of the real intermission that was, makes right? Sense. Like, they, they tried to act like recreate the roadshow experience as much as possible so it was like oh the intermission was like five or ten minutes like let's put it felt like five or ten minutes in yeah it felt like five or ten like a little bit more than five but like not as much as ten i was gonna guess like seven or something i have one more fast action go for it it was a really cool one and just because it was in this version that we were watching that there was a bunch of japanese subtitles at some parts yes like hard-coded japanese subtitles and i was like well, Tokyo Drift, there we go. Oh, Ooh, shit. Very nice. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> like, of all the ones we could get, like, the Japanese ones, I was like, oh, dope. That's great. Like, yeah, some of the newfound elements were just from another part of the world. It's like, <laughs> yeah. you know, print. And it's like, well, this is what we got. It's like, shoot yeah. it in there. When they're in that room and they're trying to get out, they're using the dynamite, right? There's yeah. the one thing where they accidentally knock the blowtorch into the stairs with a sledgehammer. That took 86 takes to get right, which is a wow. bananas amount of takes. This felt like a movie like this. I could imagine there's a bunch of scenes that took, like, multiple takes. Like, long amounts of takes. And there's so many long takes. Like, shots go on for, like, minutes and minutes. And and dialogue that just keeps going and going and going. And Mm -hmm. people moving in and out of the foreground and background. And it's like, if you screw up at the end of that, you got to do it all over again. Yeah. Yeah. And the only other trivia that I have was that at the time, there were about 100 stunt performers in the U.S., which feels like a comically low number uh, compared to, like, I would imagine that there are probably in certain movies, like, almost 100, dozens, yeah. yeah, probably almost 100, like, on certain, in, you know, acting in certain things. But about 80 of those 100 worked on this movie. Yeah, that makes wow. sense. Which yeah. is just yeah. like, yeah, just like, oh, like, this is a movie that's like, we, like, literally all hands on deck. Please, we need all the help we can get. We don't know what we're doing. It's too big for our own good. Please just <laughs> yeah. come help us. The craft in here is, is great. Like, they have rear screen projection because that's how a lot of movies were made back then. But And it's like, oh, look how fake. But then they cut to someone doing the real thing in, like, a nice master shot. Like, oh, yeah. Perfectly clear and really well tracking. And it's like, oh, but look, like... 
they actually are doing it. Like, oh, this is so bizarre to cut back and forth between, you know, the real thing and the fake thing, but it's it's great. It's such a They're great They're selling like, it experience. the best that they could. I agree. Yeah. yeah. I, like, I gave them mad props for that. You're right, because, like, you have the, the projection screen, so you, like, see them in the car and, like, everything in front of them. You're like, oh, look how fake that is. But then you see the car, like, go around a turn, and you're like, okay, well, like, you guys did the best you could, so. One of the, so actually two things, the good thing and the bad thing. Number one, this movie is very, very white. Like, there are just, it's almost predominantly white oh, actors. Yeah, yeah. But one of my favorite moments, and I don't know if it's a good thing or not, but... I was thinking the same, I think I know the exact same moment, and I was thinking the same thing, and I feel the exact same way. When they're racing toward the, at the very beginning, when they, like, finally decide, like, okay, we're gonna yep. race, we're gonna go for it, and there's the black couple who are driving, and yes. they, like, swerve way out of the way so they don't get, like, obliterated by this, like, caravan of cars going to the money, and he, like, tumbles down the hill, like, and, like, a chair goes, and a chair goes, and a dresser goes, and a table goes, and then he gets down to the bottom, and his wife is, like, looking just visibly shaken. He's just like, man, I didn't even want to moved to California in the first place. And it's like such a funny moment. I love that line, yeah. But I didn't like that the only black people in the entire movie were basically not the butt of a joke, but kind of the butt of a joke. Like, it was just, it felt like there could have been more, but I guess that's what Hollywood was at the time. Like, there weren't really... I had the same exact feelings, and I was thinking, like, that's probably it for this whole movie, unfortunately. And amazingly, and gratefully, another guy appears at the end Mm -hmm. uh, as a cab driver, you know? It's actually kind of cool that this is probably great representation Representation of the time at the time. That's what that made me think of. I was like, this is probably not the worst they could have done. Like they didn't give them like very stereotypical roles or like you know make them play the the janitor or whatever, right? Like I get get the like one guy's a cab driver, but the other ones are like moving to California. Yeah, so I was like, oh wow, like they didn't do as horribly as they could have. Yeah, I mean, obviously, if they did this now, you'd have like you know Eddie Murphy would definitely be in the remake, right? Like, yeah. He's- prestige and all that you know chris rock would probably be around there somewhere Don and, Lover. yeah, I mean, yeah every, like everybody there's a lot just, more it's diversity. a much more inclusive yeah. world these days yeah getting some larry crown vibes joey yeah Very i mean white <laughs> well, yeah but i mean like this movie is almost 60 years old like it's you know so much yeah. has changed i'm just glad that you know like what we said before like mickey rooney's not an asian dude. like he's just like everybody's like there's no weird yes. rep- like there's nothing to feel what I'm bad saying. about yes other it didn't than feel just, gross like, underrepresentation it, it also kind of feels like they're really and i mean not that like it whatever but like it really feels like they're making fun of white people in this movie a lot I agree like, yes as a thing like white people look at them fucking rich white people and like how they drink and all this shit and like their money crazy and all this like with their wealth and all and, like it's never enough for them I mean just like lots of stuff but like it just struck my mind like how it must have been subversive on that level back then because there's no way audiences were picking up like oh they're making fun of us like no. that's yeah. me up there <laughs> like I'm that white person yeah like yeah. I would be the idiot that's chasing after this money and like arguing with my mother-in-law and stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, you just said that you would for twenty grand. You would take a two-hour road trip. So oh, like, for you would... fuck for sure, yeah. I would. I'm saying, but like back then, you know what I mean? You're not like, oh, like you're like, look at these silly people. Not that I am this silly person, right? right. Like, Mike, any other thoughts? Any other notes? Any other fast connections before we watch the trailer and play the letterbox game? So uh, I see it here, just a little still frame on the trailer in the chat. But the oh, there is a thing that I, I I thought I noticed and then it was confirmed online. I don't know if it's the same thing you're about to say, but go ahead. When they cut to Sylvester's girlfriend dancing every time they cut to her dancing is probably the best use of film 
like almost ever used. It's crazy. Like ever. Like it's just some of the greatest thing I've ever seen. In my, I don't even so know what basic. I'm watching, but it's incredible. Yeah. And I was like, and like the first time they cut to it, it was like one of those replacement cut in, you know, clips because mm-hmm. brightness and stuff kind of visibly changes. changes. Yeah. It visibly changes. And like the phone's just ringing and they're just like dancing for like a minute, like by themselves. I was like, are they on drugs? That's another, that's another my cousin Vinny. Are you on drugs? Yeah. And then the more they keep showing, I was like, they really are saying this kid's like doing like they're not saying he's doing drugs but like this kid is like fucked up yeah and she's stoned for sure is like what they're getting across because it's some of like the most blank but aggressive dancing i've ever seen in my life yeah like someone like just out of reefer madness basically yes what it looks like yeah so that's that's what i was like is he a hip like are they trying to say that he's just like very aloof or is he on drugs and then like when he starts answering the phone and it's like mother there you are like it's like yeah you're on drugs but like i was like oh that must have been like pretty controversial back then too right like that you have this guy oh, yeah. and you're like oh he's on drugs but like it's funny and he's not really dangerous like he's not like out to like get anyone yeah he's a mama's boy and i think yeah. they downplay it a little bit by him saying like hey get me a beer like i think they're like it's not drugs it's just exactly. alcohol. you're okay with alcohol but it's like yeah they're just like stoners dancing in their underwear to records yep. right like yes like everybody knew what they were saying but they had to like include the beer and i was like are they gonna like show like anything but there's like nothing around like no paraphernalia of any kind and he's like get me a beer like oh i could really use a beer right now yeah but what i was gonna say and it was confirmed in the imdb trivia i don't know if either of you noticed it but like while they're dancing he just like twists and like his junk kind of falls out for like a second no no and, i didn't see that yeah and i was just like did i and then i'm looking on imdb and it's just like because this movie is rated g like it's just anybody can see it because it's a different rating system back then but i was just like oh yeah that's yeah it's just he's just kind of out like it's not like everything but it's just like maybe it's like a nut i don't know one, but like you can see you can see much more than you're supposed to see in a movie that's rated g for the whole family like fun for the whole family it's like oh okay okay yeah wow and they they are short shorts and could you imagine if you saw that if you caught that up on the big screen and like 70 millimeter or whatever the projected, <laughs> yeah. like just that's a big nut yeah that's some tyler durden splicing in single frames of pornography into uh into family into children's films right that's just like Oof. yeah Definitely. Uh, but Mike, any other thoughts, any other notes? Oh, I mean, like, I'm sure we could go on and do, like, a whole other episode on this movie at some point, but uh, I love I love all the stuff in, in the plane with Mickey Rooney and with Buddy Hackett. Um, oh, the drinking, like, making the Manhattans and stuff? Yeah, with it's Mr. Awesome. Howell is in it for a minute from uh, Gilligan's Island and stuff, but no, I mean, it was just a great opportunity, you know, to rewatch this. Thanks for having me on for this. I wanted to see this again recently. I've been going through a lot of my older movies and trying to watch some older stuff again and get some better context to it and everything. And I'm really glad that this actually holds up really well. Yes. Um, I think it's actually a testament to what they were able to do back then. Like, this might be, like, one of the, technically one of the greatest movies ever made, possibly. Like, just, Yeah, with what they had and at the time, for sure. Yeah, and it's like, it just seems, like, really groundbreaking in a lot of ways that, like, I probably don't even get, right? Comprehend. But in the ways that I see it, like, I notice it and uh, yeah, it just I really love it, and I'm um, glad I got to be on for it. I'm glad that we watched this one too because, like, I I'm not super well versed like you guys in these movies like pre 70s, right? This was never something that like I would have watched. My parents are a little bit 
bit younger, so, like, it wasn't something that they really watched. So, like, to watch one of these movies is like, oh, this is a lot of fun, and I could see why people do love this era of film or Hollywood. And, and it's basically just people falling down for three hours straight in, mm-hmm. in a lot of different ways, and there's nothing, you can't go wrong with that, so. <laughs> All right, well, let's watch the trailer. So we learned last episode, or last Pit Stop, Mike, was that the Blues Brothers trailer for a two-and-a-half-hour-long movie was four-and-a-half minutes. We're like, this feels obnoxiously what? long. And I yes. was like, I wonder, because Joe kind of joked, he was just like, well, the longer your movie, the longer the trailer. But this one, for a three-and-a-half-hour movie, is only three-and-a-half minutes. So it's still long. It's still wildly long compared to today's standards. But three-and-a-half minutes is not terrible. So I put it in the chat. If you look on YouTube for It's a Mad, 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 Mad World trailer, I think it's actually the second Official hit. trailer. But we are doing, once again, the movie clips classic trailers, because the first First one, I just was just some guy who uploaded it, but I trust movie clips. I tripped. I trust Mr. Movie Clips. Whenever you're ready, bud. All right, three, two, one, play. A United Airlines jet okay. lands in Los Angeles. Oh, the trailer like plane. froze for a second. I was just like, do we do I have a bad thing? But no, we're good. The world's press. What is the? Oh, was it like a tagline for United? Oh no, they're just talking about the movie. Sorry. Oh, they're showing like the roadshow elements, maybe. I guess. There was a certain amount of money buried down in this park. Now I suggest that we quietly get into our cars, and then when we get down there, I like to say pretend that they weren't. <laughs> Look at them all. Yeah. <laughs> Sunglasses, Joey. Mm. True. Yeah, Mickey, we gotta do Rooney Club, I guess, next. Oh man, I do. The car <laughs> shots are actually pretty over. decent for what they are, right? Like, yep, by sea. Oh yeah, it's like the best of the best. And yeah. even like the stuff that was very clearly on a soundstage where the car's not moving looks less fake than it. I mean, that that there looks very fake, but like other ones, like other shots, look less fake. Yeah. I love the map on the wall with the lines, but I was hoping that by the end there was going to be like just absolute chaos, and like it, it approached mm. that, but didn't actually get the full chaos. I get yeah, what you're I was saying. surprised they actually committed to that map. Like, just imagine like zigzagging lines all over the place where the map is like unreadable. Isn't that like what happens in Rat Race? We didn't like, really talk too much about the music. I mean, that, so many that getting out with dynamite was just such a crazy scene. Yeah. Love that theme song. There we <laughs> go. There's the dancing. <laughs> the dancing is so great. You can't afford to miss this. Wildest comedy, Wildest comedy ever filmed. Wow. This plane was really cool, too. I like that the he had the button that, like, lifted his bar up. Yep. And there's the uh, billboard that I was mentioning before. Yeah, oh, this guy falling off the side here was very, very funny. Where he's like calling for help and then he yells for help into the microphone. Yeah. It's like a <laughs> yeah. yo-yo almost. Like I thought he was going to go up and down a little bit. Like it turns into such a, a cartoon in the very last scene on the uh, fire escape. There you go. Oh wait, we got a car above a car above and a car below. Yeah. Like oh yeah, that's a very uh, death-proofy kind of thing. Vanishing point, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. When you search, it's a mad world on. Google Images and search car, like that red and blue, like that car above, car below is like basically all the top hits, but I wanted to pick the, the image of this, I really wanted to have the car in the river, because I just love that. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. What I like about this movie is that it's the kind of movie that I feel like you could just have on loop forever, and like you could yes. just pop in or pop out at any point. Like this is the ultimate lifetime movie in that regard, right? It's just like, it doesn't matter when you jump in, it's just like something weird is going on that you don't have context for, but you don't really need context. 
Yeah, and like we were talking about where I was like, oh, this would be a great movie for the background of your bar, right? Yeah, yep. You could just like play it and everybody would be like, oh man, I remember this one. That car gets so much air in the beginning. Yeah, I can't believe he survived that. It's like, it reminded me of the the beginning of The Nice Guys. How do you like your car, big boy? Mm. Yeah. An ultra Panavision and Technicolor. Wow. Because, like, when this movie, awesome. like, the, the version, and I would guess, Mike, do you know, can, can you confirm, and maybe you can, I don't know if you've seen the version on your on your Blu-ray, but, like, the two-hour and 43-minute version, is that just, like, 100% of the restored footage? Or is there still uh, stuff in there that, like, looks kind of funky and janky? It's only, like, the clean, pristine stuff. Okay. So, yeah, and that's the one that, that, like, they air on Turner, classic movies and stuff. They've aired, it's actually been on recently, too, so. And they're, they're even paired with Criterion, I think, to a degree, so. Because, like, when that, when we're watching the restored version, like, it's beautiful. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It looks yeah. really good, yeah. But it also feels weird, like, some of the scenes that they cut out. Well, I think, it's not like, they didn't choose to cut out, they just don't have the footage. I don't know if the movie would play as well without them, you know what I mean? Like, I'm curious, uh, now I'm kind of curious to watch the, like, cut down, the cut down, quote-unquote, version to see how it would play, because there's some scenes there that are, like, you know, big story scenes that are, like, pushing the plot along. I think in this movie's defense, and I don't know if it's the right phrase, but I feel like you could almost cut out any scene and it would be fine. Like, I don't don't know that you need necessarily if any scene really matters. Yeah, besides the beginning and the end, yeah. Yeah. I feel like most of what was cut was, like, heads and tails of scenes, and, and it's so, like, that information would have either been repeated in the next scene or a scene later or like I don't feel like we lost any information we might have gotten mm. some information later than than we would have but I think for the most part everything is like reiterated over and over again and like there's so many updates it's like here's where we are now chief and like here's where we are now and like Makes here's sense. where they are so they kind of keep updating you along the way so I almost agree is like cut wherever you have to and it would still play pretty well yeah all right, Mike, you might remember from our Zack Attack days and our Boy From Material days, we have the Letterbox game. We have returned it to Too oh. Fast, Too Forever. So we are going to play the three different little games that we play from there. So for reference sake... I barely, sake, barely remember. It's okay, we're going we're gonna to go through, we're going <laughs> to run through all the rules. For reference sake, Mad Max Fury Road, the most logged view or lo- most viewed movie or most popular movie on Letterbox has been seen by 589,000 people. Mm-hmm. It's a Mad 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 World 1963 directed by Stanley Kramer starring Spencer Tracy, Milton Berle, Sid Caesar, Buddy Hackett, so on and so forth. Average rating of 3.7. How many people have logged? How many people have registered that they've seen? It's a Mad 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 World on Letterboxd. I'm going to say... 7,500. Mike, do you have a guess? That seems low. But you have to factor in, it's an old movie. Yeah, but it's like a classic. But it's like a classic, yeah. That's a pretty good score, too. So uh, I'm going to say like 110,000. Well, Joe is way, way closer, but he's still low. So you're right that he was low, but Joe is much closer. 12,500. Mike, do you have a guess? 50,000. Joe, once again closer but still low 15 sounds about right 15 000. mike final answer uh 25 17 835 okay so almost 18 it's an old movie you know and you have to like rank it and it's you also have to... three and a half hours long like it's yes. there's a well yeah but people would probably watch the 240 cut i mean not that that's any not much it's still exactly. long. you're right it's long it's old and yeah and again i think to your point like you know these people but like even, you know, I'm not that much younger than you, but, like, the eight years or nine years or whatever we are difference, like, makes all the difference. Like, I don't know any of these yeah. people. And so it's not like I'm going to be like, oh, shit, I want to see Sid Caesar in a movie. It's like, okay, I'll see Sid Caesar in a movie. 
movie. Like, I don't have any, <laughs> you know what I mean? So, so out of those 18,000 people, like I said, three, 3.7 average rating, most popular rating, four stars, then three and a half, then three. How many people put this movie in their top four favorite movies of all time? Twelve. Twelve. Um, I'm going to say like a hundred. Mike is much closer, but still you're both low. You want to do a second Really? Guess? 150? Yeah. I'm going to go a little... Less than, I'm going to say 120. 121. Nice. Good Whoa. job, Mike. 121. So I found... It's way more than I thought. No, even if it's like a classic, like it just being old, I thought that like, you know, everybody would pick something newer. That's a, that's a decent amount. 121 is pretty solid for a movie this old. So I found Danielle Soulsman at D. Soulsman on Letterboxd. She links to her review at Soulsy at the Movies. Give it five stars. Okay. Opening paragraph says it's Mad 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 World is one of the best ensemble comedies, and the all-star studded film remains a classic to this day. Actually, two fast connections that I want to talk about that I did not mention. Number one, ensemble like it just feels like as the movies get bigger, it's something like this. Mm, and also, fair. I was thinking about how much simpler it was for them to divvy up the money from Rio than it was to figure out the shares. In I this thought movie. that too, dude. I totally thought that. And I also wanted to ask you guys: Does Mia get a cut? Of the money from Rio? Did they cut Mia in, or does mm. Brian get her cut? Oh, of course. No, because Mia, without Mia, they don't have the window. Mia's the man in the chair. Yeah, but the Toretto family gets, like, four cuts then. Yeah, and also, without the Toretto family, none of this would have happened. That's fair. Yeah, no, I just didn't remember, like, if they actually cut Mia in or not. Like, do they say, like, oh, everybody gets, like... Dude, they cut in the guy who dies wife well i don't know that they get he gets a full cut i think dom probably gives her money but yeah she i mean she gets a cut so yeah i, I would think mia gets not to say that rico and tego aren't two different people but if they both get their own cut like mia should absolutely get a cut that's fair yeah that's fair 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 i get it so danielle solzman has in her top four number four is it's a mad 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 world uh her number three movie is a movie that we have covered this lap vanishing wow point. Nope. Dirty Mary Crazy Larry. Nope. She lives in Chicago. Does that help you? Is it Midnight Babysit- Run? Adventures in Babysitting? It's neither of those. We did not cover that this lap. I just covered that for her high school summer party that's going to be out on Monday. Oh, okay. I just saw that you watched it, which is why I guessed it. I didn't know what show you watched it for. <laughs> Chicago. What else did we cover that was in Chicago? Was it like a really recent one? I feel like one that oh, we watched. Oh, uh, just... Midnight Run? No. Nope. I said Midnight Run, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. It it's wasn't okay. Uh, uh... Like almost the most recent movie. Not Hobbs and Shaw, but almost the most recent movie. I don't remember what movie came out. Like, I'm so back, like, just fucked in the order. But yes, I feel like it was, like, one of the ones we just talked about was in Chicago. Yeah. Or was it? Like, the Blues Brothers. Oh, fuck. What an idiot. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. And then her top two are two of the biggest movies of all time. And they're both huge blockbusters. Like, they are both action Avatar? No, not not financially big, but like most popular, most beloved movies of all time. Avengers Fury Endgame. Road. No, both much older than that. Jaws. No, but T2. one close. You're you're both within a year or two of the movie that this came like of the movie that you're trying to guess if that makes sense. Like there's one mid 70s and there's one that's early 90s. Independence Day. Mm-mm. Mm. Bigger, more popular, more beloved. More pop. What about compared to Jaws? Home Alone. I would say on par with Jaws. Not Home Alone. Is it a Star Wars? The first Star Wars. Yeah. A.K.A. Star Wars is her number one favorite movie. And number two, the movie from the early 90s, some might argue is there, you know, there's there's a host on our network, Mike. This is his favorite movie. Oh, holy shit. I think, I think. I also think that it might just be that he's seen it more than anybody else. No, that's 80s. This is, I would say this is on par popularity-wise with Top Gun. Big Lebowski? (laughs) No, No, he's an action movie. Action movie in the 90s. Oh, action movie early. It's more adventure than action, but I would also consider this action. Jumanji. Nope. (laughs) 
but not wildly far off, but way more popular than Jumanji. Like what is one it? of the one of the most popular and beloved movies of the nineties. Whoa, that's crazy! It's a franchise that's still going today. Mission Impossible? Nope. James Bond? This is the first one in the series. The first one oh. in the series, an action movie that mm-hmm. started in the 90s that's huge. Jurassic Let me see Park. if they were actually considered Jurassic Park. Yes. Yes. Nice. Okay. There we go. Got there eventually. They call it science fiction and adventure. I would say it's like it's action adjacent. I'd say it's more, adven- it's, uh, more adventure fair. than action. But totally yeah. fair. Yeah, I get yeah. it. Uh, that's a, I Star Wars, it Jurassic movie. Park, The Blues Brothers, it's a mad, 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 mad world. I thought you guys would get there much quicker, but you, you know, you got there eventually. So that's We uh, did. Yeah. We teamed together. Thanks, Mike, yeah. for helping. That was good. Anytime. <laughs> well, thank you, Mike, for joining us. We are closing down lap six, but you snuck in here under the wire you uh you got in on lap six on the kicking it old school lap to talk about it's a mad 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 world the oldest movie we talked about this lap so thank you our oldest guest we had on our oldest movie (laughs) hey nice that's probably not true Um, that might be true that's probably not true yeah i feel like i've been on sooner but it was those watch alongs and those have been a lot of fun so are they guys then i love the i love the watch alongs they make me really happy I'm glad that like people join for them. But I feel like I, other than that, it's been like a really long time since I've been on. So it's really great to be back. Well, you'll and, be on uh, not. Yeah. Well, maybe you next were going to be you'll... on. You were going to be on really soon because we were going to do nine. Yeah, you'll but be on nine. Got pushed nine back for sure. Right, but you know that got pushed we'll back. We'll get there. Again, so yeah, yeah, we'll get there. It's at the end of the runway. Yes. <laughs> so thank you for joining. Is there anything you want to plug aside from the five episodes, the five shows that are coming out today? Yeah, go check out my five episode Friday. Mike five that dads. Is today. Please do. Yeah. There it is, yeah. And then, uh, as always, uh, Third Time's a Charm, the third of every month, and Tom Tom Club. Joey and I are still doing the Tom Hanks episodes and everything, and they could still vote for Cruise Club. Is that still open, the Cruises? The Cruises is still, is still open, and the Fast and Furious Hall of Fame is still open, yes. Yeah, so do all the voting. True. So vote away. So, Joe, next week, we have to talk about what we're covering next week. So next What are we covering Tuesday, next week? Next Tuesday yeah. is not a movie. Next Tuesday is our Lap 6 tune-up, our Relap recap oh, for nice. Lap 6. Cool. So we're going to do cool. a couple different things. We are going to recap the lap, of course. We are also going to bring Nico and Kevo on, who are going to be on all of next lap. And we're going to do their estimate, getting an estimate, finding out what they know about the franchise, giving them <laughs> yes. characters to follow on who they are. I bet Nico's going to be a Dom. I, th- I, I think know. he is a Dom, I right? I think he is a Dom. I mean, he also kind of looks like Dom. Oh, even better. That's cool. Just a bald, muscly dude. I don't know who Kevo's going to be. It's going to be a real mystery. We're going to incorporate our five new Hobbs and Shaw characters into the That's quiz. That's true. I have my to-do list before they join us. And then on Friday, Joe, we are going to talk about a movie that is not exactly a car movie, but from what I understand, has great, great car chases. What is it? We're talking about 1974's Freebie and the Bean, starring Alan Arkin and James Caan. We've heard about this. I don't remember what this (laughs) is about, though, or who who was talking about it, but I feel like somebody just told me about this, too. So Sean Baker, who directed Tangerine, and he directed The Florida Project, and is now working on another movie, he's on Letterboxd, and he logged it and just said, amazing chase scenes, revisit this film, very impressive. So I was like, mm. cool. But yeah, that's next week, Tune Up, Lap 6, and then Freebie and the Bean. But for all things Too Fast, Too Forever, you go to cageclub.me, facebook.com slash Too Fast, Too Forever, or at Too Fast, Too Forever on Twitter and Instagram. Email us, family at cageclub.me. Come back next episode for our tune-up relap recap. Go vote for the Fast and Furious Hall of Fame at cageclub.me mm-hmm. slash bracket. While you're there, vote on the cruisies. 
mm-hmm. the Tom Cruise Awards. Also, check out today on cageclub.me or wherever you get podcasts. The five episodes Mike's on, Too Fast, Too Forever, High School Slumber Party, Cruise Club, Hanks to the Memories, and of course, Third Time's a Charm, Five Ways of Mike Manzi, Mike Five Dads. <laughs> I'm Joey Lewandowski. I'm Joe Two. And I'm Mad, 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 Mad Mike Manzi. And we'll see you next time right here on Too Fast, Too Forever. Peace out. Peace out. You anus. anus. Peace out.